Operation Retroshock. Operation Retroshock. Operation Retroshock. Thunder. 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 Thundercat. Oh! Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Operation Retro Fest 2011. I am Alan Price, and alongside me, as always, is my co-host. I'm Chris Fint, and uh, yeah, so Operation Retro Fest. Um, it's not a case of we've decided to change names. It's just a case of we're talking about Game Fest, so we thought we'd kind of incorporate that. And obviously, it's like special because it doesn't have a number. It's not like Operation Retro Shock episode like 47. I was just going to pick it up and say that some random people in England had made like a uh, festival based around Operation Retroshock to make us sound <laughs> people, but no! We were there and nobody turned up. <laughs> Sadly, no, that was not the case. It is Game Fest, the, uh, surprisingly enough, sponsored by Game, set up by Game, everything by Game. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think it was done by Game? Um, yeah, it wasn't done by Fest no. or anything. No, it wasn't. It was at the NEC Birmingham this September, it's also this month or whenever this is, I don't know when this is, uh, of the year 2011. So yes, uh, this has been one many of you have been waiting for. We have been getting tweets and emails and all that. When are we going to get your trip to GameFest, what happened there, and our general opinion of what was actually Event. Now you got to remember that this was the same week. We went there on the Saturday and Sunday, and we came back. And then on the Monday night at 11:30, we were in work. 11:30 p.m. because Gears of War had a, a 12 midnight launch. Yeah, that was fun. Which was fun, 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 but a ton, ton, ton. But anyway, Game Fest. Basically, let's just break this down a little bit for you. 
um, game, the managers of the uh, game stores get to go to this conference year in, year out, and they get to play the new release games. That's totally unfair. They get to then also um, have like uh, various um, uh, like presentations, you know, like whether it's the guys from, you know, to do with Batman or to do with Prototype 2 or to do with, you know, whatever. So they get to see like other games, they get to try games, but um, obviously... Um, myself, Alan, and our good friend Natalie Spence, um, who we all work in game store, uh, Newton Arts, pop in and say hello. No, no discounts, but uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we um, decided we would um, go and pl- uh, see there and see what games are coming out because there's a wealth of new releases coming out till this end of this year. And also, there's a couple of them that we'll talk about that are coming out next year, which seem to be very important titles. It is going to be an awesome year for games, so do you want me to just get cracking with yeah. games and their totties and all that sort of stuff? Oh, they're on fire! My boobies are on fire! That's another wee story for you, ladies and gentlemen, for later. Yes, and bees at surf as well, apparently. Yes, indeed. Yeah. So, yes, <coughs> in alphabetical order of game publishers... Um, Activision, surprisingly enough, has one of the biggest games, and it is the first time this game has been playable in the UK, and if my memory serves, it was not playable at Gamescom, so it was kind of the first major opportunity for the public to get their hands on it, and that is, of course, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3. How long were the lines for this? Two and a half hours. How long did it take us to get in with our press passes? 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Basically everybody um, will be popping back and forward and tying here pretty much. We'll be using a TARDIS, so to say. Um, Chris, myself and Natalie were there Saturday and Sunday, so some of these stories will pop up from Sunday, some of them will pop up from Saturday. But Sunday was the main day we had our press passes, and... Basically, that was your do not pass go, do not collect $200. I'm going to get past two and a half hour line sort of bonus. So it was a case of we walked up to speak to one of the guys at the front of the queue for Modern Warfare. And we were like, here, mate, is there any chance of getting this in? You know, we look about, you know, we, you know, see what the, you know, see what the story is behind the game and all that. He says, give me one second. Off he pops inside. Out he comes with the, obviously, who their main PR guy is. And he says, yeah, sure, follow me. And this is where it gets really fun. And I know it's kind of cruel and all, but it is very, very... It's a nice advantage to have because then we can start getting all our information together really, really quickly. And it means... And I know it sounds slightly bad again, is it means we're not drained and bored for having came out of a two-and-a-half-hour-long queue. It means we're going in, we're fresh. Uh, Chris and Natalie sat down and played the game, so they started... Right, they got into the depth of it. Yeah, they basically had like quite a few machines and like a circle kind of table. So, war table. A war table, but um, you got to pair up with somebody and then it was you against the computer. You know, like very much like you had different waves that you had to try and get to. And once you got to level 10, you got a prestige badge. And once so you, you got a prestige badge. Yeah, and then once you got to level 15, you got a t-shirt. Natalie got a t-shirt. I already had one from work. Hers was too big, mine was too small, so we did swap uh, but yeah, um, not a game that I would have queued for, but very impressed with the graphics on it, how I handled the 
co-op mode on it and it seems to be that seems to be something that you need to have now in the forefront of your game is like Gears of War like Resident Evil 5 like say Call of Duty like Left 4 Dead you need to have a co-op mode because people like to play deathmatch but you also like to be in a party or you like to be playing with your friend trying to solve trying to complete the main mission and that was something that I had on and it went from something that I didn't want to buy or didn't want to play to maybe considering buying and obviously I played it and was very impressed with how it handled um, and how good it was but um, just to just while Alan checking, checking his phone Alan was talking to the gentleman uh, we couldn't get an interview because somebody had said something the day before and got in a yeah, lot of trouble for it we didn't know exactly what so we were, we yeah, were by no um, means going to push but he basically said that people have been queuing for two and a half hours and once they played the game they went and joined the back of the yeah. queue to then play the game again which was amazing it shows you the quality of the game they have managed because that was my main worry for Modern Warfare was was it going to be very very samey were they just going to keep you know the recipe the same and I don't think there was a lot of them that had the number three after them which were very lazy which were very much the same kind of which stuff which is a big surprise you, yeah. you know um, but talking about the exact you know the game itself kind of to the side obviously Chris and Ali were playing it so that obviously that's why Chris is mainly talking about <clears throat> the gameplay um, I got to have a you know a pretty good chat with uh, the PR guys from Activision from Call of Duty and I have to say they were one of the most professional lot at the event because there was not many others that pretty much they brought us in straight past the queue um, yes it mightn't have got favourable looks from the queue itself but they brought us in, they paraded us around they showed us everything took me through everything step by step you know, saying by all means take a video take a sweeping shot yeah. take a few pictures We'd just appreciate if you wouldn't go right up to the screens and take a picture. Because there's stuff there that it's has not, to be It's not final yet. code or anything like yeah. that, so it would be unfair to go, oh, look, everybody, here's a picture of Modern Warfare 3, and then everybody would go, well, that doesn't look the best, which you can completely understand, but they were very, very good in comparison to some other people, which I'll probably talk to when, well, talk about even when we get to that further down the line. Is there anything else you want to say about Modern Warfare 3, Chris? Uh, no, I just enjoyed the setup. Um, you got to play with um, the Turtle Beach headsets. Um, got to play with them on, so you'll be Turtle able. Turtle Beach was a major sponsor of the event. Yeah, um, you got to play with them. You know, like so, you're able to talk to your colleagues. So I'm saying, Natalie, I'm bleeding, and all I hear is Natalie laughing. Um, so I'm trying to crawl out to where God she help is. you if that ever happens in real life. We'll be left for dead. Exactly. Um, Shh. Um, but no, a very, very good game, and one that um, one that I was happy. That I played, but one was I, I was happier that I didn't have to wait two and a half hours to play because I think your patience would wear thin. But anyway, moving on. Yep. Um, another two games from Activision, which we personally didn't play because, to be honest, we were running about like mad people trying to get in as much of the really, really big names. There was Generator X and GoldenEye 007. To be fair with Activision, they really did put efforts into their stands, which is something you'll hear later on in the show when we speak to some of the people we met at the show. Um, GoldenEye 007. Um, the next one is probably our Dark Horse and favourite, so to say, stand experience and you know talking to experience. That is the Prototype 2, guys. Yes. Um, 
I think it would be safe to say that out of all the people we met, there wasn't a bad, bad egg among them. But these guys, um, you will hear later on, what was his, his gentleman's Frack, name? Yeah. David Frackia yeah, um, was kind enough to give an interview to do a prototype. Um, you'll hear that later on. There's a couple of interviews with the trailers for that game before it. Um, was kind enough to have an interview. Um, very, very, very nice man. Um, very accommodating. Um, actually remembered Alan and Natalie from the day before because Alan had his picture taken yep. with him, um, the lieutenant, so to speak, and the Blackwatch two. Guys. Yeah, and the Blackwatch guys as well. So I actually remembered them. So it showed his people skills and stuff. And there's actually remembered there's, them. There's, there's, there's people that are just like, all oh, right, did I speak to you yesterday? Yeah. It's just or like, he, you know, he turned around. And this was this, the point where Chris got the interview and was speaking away to him was there's a, a thing called the hub at Game Fest and it's a 300 seater kind of tent that's inflated and all that sort of thing. So they would do a huge presentation. It was the thing me and Natalie had went to the day before on the Saturday and the presentation had about 300 people. So it isn't as intimate. The one we went to on the Sunday with Chris because Chris was a wee bit intrigued having heard us say on the Saturday. Oh, it was really, really good. It was a good experience. I think really I was nice with Dylan for, like, Batman or something. Was That's he Batman and Mass Effect? That yeah. He'd went away and done uh, Prototype. And you'd got really intrigued with me saying, really nice guy, really good-looking game, for because it was in pre-alpha, which is, like, really, really, really Yeah, and he did say that it would... There was a strong possibility that it would crash, and you would see some stuff. Uh, you will hear in the interview about that anyway, but... Um, but um, it was... It was just, they were fantastic, so they were, um, because he said to me and Natalie, when he saw us on the Sunday, he says, I really appreciate that you have came back, you know, you have came to see it a second time, mm-hmm. and you could see that it actually meant stuff to him, because there would be people, like, like Chris says, there was nobody really bad that we met at the show, but these guys just were so accommodating and just happy to see you. Yeah. Because they were just basically where Activision was, where Call of Duty was. We basically went around the corner and he was standing there and Alan said something. He went, Alan said, do you want to go in? I went, yeah, sure. Um, and then we basically went in and sat there. Very um, much um, takes the crowd participation very, oh, to yeah. another level. Um, you know, yes, sir, because you're... You're addressing a superior officer. Yeah. Yes, sir. It's just like, that's <laughs> better. But... Um, there was him, and there was another person we'll, we'll um, talk about. We'll talk about later on. No, a different. Oh, um, another gentleman. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. The other woman. Yes. Um, that we'll touch on later on. Um, very entertaining, and you need that. And um, Ms. Fracky even said that. You know, when I said it's nice whenever you're so you're so full of energy, and it goes like you have to be whenever. I love talking to people and. You know, like, if if I'm just going, here, there's this game, nobody's going to be interested. And, you know, it, it made me want to come home and play Prototype, which I don't have, but I'll be borrowing it. So, moving on. But they, they, were, the, they were the cream of the crop, shall we say. Really professional, um, guys. They were the cream of the crop, but there was one for me that was the cherry on the icing on the cake, which Alan knows about anyway. <laughs> uh, other games that were presented there by uh, Activision, again, we didn't really get a chance to spend much time with. I had a quick look at the next one and it did actually look quite interesting but it is more geared up for the kids is Skylanders Spyro's Adventure. I was really I resented this game when I first heard it was coming out simply because I'd played the original Spyro's back on PlayStation and absolutely loved them and I was like 
what are you doing? Going and rebooting it and doing all this minifigures thing. But having seen the setup and seeing how it works, I can see that it's going to be probably a pretty huge thing for Christmas time. Yeah. The kids are going to love it, and you can actually see that they've actually put a lot of effort into it. So fair play to those guys. Um, final two games Activision presented, which we actually saw, got, we saw the posters hanging up and all that sort of stuff, but we actually went nowhere near. Uh, was Spider-Man Edge of Time and X-Men Destiny. I'm really gutted that we didn't actually go there now. Yeah. You know? But this is the thing, is two days, it sounds like a lot of time, but we were running around doing so many things that they just they kind of semi-slipped your mind, and then yeah. you think you look back and you're like, oh, maybe I should have went, but mm-hmm. we aren't heartbroken. No. But there'll be plenty of stuff for us to find online. Um, next up is... Um, We'll actually jump to Nintendo. Okay. Um, they had they had a pretty reasonable amount of floor space. Yes, yeah. But for me, it did feel very confined for the amount of space they had. F- especially for the Skyward Sword, I would agree with you there. Um, where they had the 3DSs, there was a lot of... It was almost like you were almost back-to-back. Yeah. Um, there was no structure for the lines, yeah. you know, like I was standing there waiting, Dylan was playing Resident Evil and the kid jumped in front of me and I tapped him on the shoulder and went, sorry mate, there's a key here and his dad went, he's just looking and I went, right, okay. There was but, a lot of hogging as well. Yeah, um, which was obviously the Tekken Tag Tournament 2. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, the Nintendo people are very, very accommodating, uh, very, very uh, bubbly and stuff. Um, although on the Sunday, Natalie didn't really have the best of experiences. Mm-hmm. Basically, I had to tell her how to play the uh, Skyward yeah. Sword. Um, the girl she, didn't tell her. Yeah, she was know. too busy talking to her mates. Which, yeah, is, is fine and, and dandy. But You're whenever you've got the Nintendo's product. Whenever you've got somebody playing the game and they haven't played it before, you need to tell them. Oh yeah, if you flap the remote up and down, the bird flaps his wings and. You know that kind of thing, but um, uh, especially the, like the Link statue was very, very nice. And then obviously, um, before we left on Sunday, we got our picture taken with Mario, which was <laughs> kind of strange. Uh, but yeah, the likes of Nintendo had Skyward Sword, Driver Renegade 3DS, Resident Evil um, Revelations, wasn't it? I yeah, Resident Evil Revelations, you had Kid Icarus Uprising, Mario Kart 7, Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater. <coughs> we'll get to that later. Um, Super Pokemon Rumble as well. It says here Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Was that hidden in the corner near Skyward Sword, if my memory serves? Um, I think it may have been, yeah. I think it was around the other other side, so it was, because they did have adverts with Robin Williams. We'll just quickly go through these, because obviously we don't want to take up too much time with that. Uh, Driver Renegade, we've mentioned this before in ORS reviews. I played it for 30 seconds. Um... It's fair to say that the cons- main console versions are a lot better. Kid Icarus was a surprise for you. Kid Icarus was absolutely gorgeous. Now, Kid Icarus, whenever um, I looked at the trailer, I didn't really think much of it. Um, was playing it, um, I think I had... Yeah, Dylan was beside me whenever I played it. Um, the controls are very fiddly, but I think with you know, like once you obviously start playing, um, you would then be able to become second nature. Or... If and when the um, second um, circle pad for the 3DS comes out, make it a lot easier. Um, very, very beautiful game. The backgrounds of it, the just the whole graphics, um, wouldn't act, it would actually um, beat a lot of the graphics on the Wii, I would mm. think. Um, but yeah, uh, a, 
one of the dark horses for me, and a very, very surprise hit, even though it's quite a popular game but uh, amongst some, not for me, but I was pleasantly surprised with it. It's very much a cult game, so it is. It's got a hell of a cult following. Um, next up is Mario Kart 7. Really, what else did we expect? I really, really enjoyed it. It's, uh, I think it was Chris's joint top most played game at the yeah. show. Yeah, it was, yeah. Played it three times. So it was... You only got to play three levels. Each race was two laps, if my two memory laps, serves yeah. me. Yeah. Um, but it was a lot, a lot of fun. Again, all the games we've mentioned so far are on 3DS. Um, I did find myself turning the 3D off. I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry Nintendo. But it's just some of these games, I don't think 3D is going to work here in the long run, guys. I, no. re- I really, really don't. And to be totally honest, it doesn't hamper the machine for me, in my opinion. I am happy enough to sit back and play these games in 2D. I think Nintendo are happy enough. If you're paying 30 odd quid for 35 quid for a game, yeah. they're happy enough whatever way you want to play it. It's I've I've been reading up on the news throughout the week uh, in the round just doing this, so I could see what's going on. Nintendo have uh, shown some of the stuff that they're doing for their most recent ad campaign in Europe, and the poster pretty much says now available in metallic red because that's coming out here at the end of September, um, and that is the thing beside it on the poster says you can play your ordinary DS games in 2D but you can also play the 3DS games in 2D that is a big part of the campaign now so mm. that's pretty I, I, I think no offence to Nintendo we love them and they're one of our you know good friends with RetroShock but they're pretty much holding their hands up and say okay you know, we realise it's not a big deal to you anymore, but let's continue on making the fantastic games for yeah. the machine. Mm-hmm. And if they have the option of being in 3D, all the better for it. It's so fancy. It. Uh, but yeah, Mario Kart 7, fantastic. You know what to expect with the Mario Kart game. Really, really good fun. I liked the new additions of the likes of the gliding and the underwater. Yeah, I like the fact that they put that in the demo as well. And, the, you know, like whenever you were playing it, so you got to see what it was like. Um, but I also like the fact that you could like go upwards, mm-hmm. uh, or you can you know like if you wanted to go down, you yeah. know like you could do that. But no, a very very good game. The only gripe that I would have had that I think would have been better is if you had four people and then you got rid of the four people, you brought another four in, mm-hmm. but they were all playing like uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I think that would have brought another element like, to it, like a certain game which we shall mention in not too much time. Um, the next one. Oh dear, dear, dear! What can, what can be said about this? Um, this is one that Chris was reasonably excited to play. Not crazily excited, but excited enough. Was Metal Gear Solid Three Snake Eater 3D? I am uh, going to leave this one to Chris because he's more the Metal Gear expert than myself. Okay, I've enjoyed Metal Gear Solid like one, Metal Gear Solid Two. I've played Metal Gear Solid Three on the PlayStation Two, Metal Gear Solid Four. Metal Gear with, uh, exactly. Swing. Exactly. So. I thought Metal Gear Solid 3, brilliant. It'll look really lovely. Yeah, okay. If anyone remembers Turok on the original N64, instead of using um, the, instead of using like the, say, the um, digital pad to move them around and the analog stick to move the camera, you had to use the um, C buttons. This is very much the kind of same kind of view, and you have your um, analog stick to move Snake around, but you have your Y, X, B, and A button to move your camera. Now, this is obviously why they're bringing out the other circle button for the um, other analog stick, very much like the DualShock 3 or the Xbox controller, the way you have two analog sticks. 
For me, this was the worst game at this event. The worst, like by far, of any stretch of the imagination. I played, I stood there and played it, and I played it, and I went, "Oh my god, this is!" A-. And I just went, "No." And some guy stood behind me and went, "Are you done?" And I went, "Mate, that's just rubbish." And he went, "I don't know what I'm doing." And I went, "That's why I'm not playing." It was the general consensus, and we were meeting random people. Yeah. When we were exiting and entering the place, and just generally about place, and we were discussing, we just randomly talk about what you played, and the general conception when you mentioned the words Metal Gear Solid for 3DS was, ugh. Now, Metal Gear was one of the worst games I played. We're going to jump over to Resident Evil Revelations, which was one of the most gorgeous and delightful games I played. One of the best looking handheld games. From Nintendo of all people uh, for a long, long time. Yeah, again, I said to Alan, I said this to Dylan, that that would not look out of place on a PS3 or an Xbox 360. It was that stunning. Um, absolutely fantastic, easy to use controls, you didn't have the fittery system like you did um, with the Metal Gear Solid, which we just talked about. Um, beautiful game, beautiful scenery, the cutscenes were absolutely gorgeous. The thing I thought was the 3D was not overpushed. No. It's just, just right. Yeah, um, just the storyline of it was very good. Um, obviously, once you got to a certain point, I would just come off saying thanks for playing. Um, Another thing they should have done was whenever it came up very much like in Skyward Sword, thanks for playing, they should have had pre-order today or pre-order a game because they had guys going around with tablets, you know, that you could pre-order a game and it would be delivered to, you know, like you at your house or um, it be in your store, anything like that. Uh, but for me, that was one of the that was one that I needed and I wanted to play, and it did not disappoint. But Metal Gear Solid was one of the worst games, and one of the games that I will never ever recommend for the 3DS. I think if somebody says what would be an awful game, Metal Gear Solid would be it, followed closely by Driver. I think for me, my Metal Gear was Alan's Driver. I think it was as simple yeah. as that. Yeah, yeah, pretty much so. Um. <coughs> This one was mine. Uh, I don't think Chris played it, to my memory. Uh, Super po- Pokemon Rumble. Now, before we go into this, Alan also found a retro corner and played Pokemon Snap. If you want to talk about yeah, a bit about that, Alan. Yes, I uh, played a bit of Pokemon Snap. Um, it's not the Pokemon Snap that uh, you all were thinking. Not the one that Chris got me for my birthday for the N64 and I played and completed it in a day because I was so obsessed and enjoyed it. <laughs> Um, we all know at these sort of events that uh, people tend to like to dress up a wee bit. There was people at this event dressed up as Call of Duty soldiers. Not that creative. People dressed up as uh, blocks from Mario. Yeah. Uh, we did. His, I did see Link and Altair queuing for Resident Evil, though. Yes, this is. And I did see a character from Final Fantasy talking to Snake, which was quite yep. uh, surreal. Oh. You know, all normal. Um, and there was a Misty, and there was... I have to say, sorry, I have to say that Misty was hot. The girl dressed as Misty was hot. And she was carrying a about. Um, and, and she went in the bar, and Alan went, Better not serve her, she's underage! <laughs> <laughs> um, and then there was another girl dressed up as the female trainer from Black and White. Unfortunately, my interest in Black and White series... Um, leads me to not knowing whatever that character's default name is meant to be. 
so I don't know that. Um, but to get back to the Pokemon Snap, there was a wild Pikachu uh, roaming the halls. We weren't even in Viridian Forest, I which know. was more su- surreal. It's going to be really, really hard to find. There was a female Pikachu running about the halls of the NEC. I wonder how many people went up there and went, Mate, what level are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm level four, cut. Uh, so, we were, what was it, we were in the queue for Resident Evil, if my memory serves me. No. So we were, no, we were somewhere, I can't remember for the life of me where we were, but I just ran and said, I'm going to have a bit of laugh here, I'm going to say. No, we were having our food. Were we having food? We were having our food, yeah. And I just decided I'm going to take a picture, just so I could post it on the Facebook page for you all to see. And uh, we were <laughs> we just started coming out with the jokes after I took the picture, and then it was Chris that mentioned the infamous words Pokemon Snap, and I led to saying, "Well, po- uh, Pokemon uh, the Pokemon Professor Mr. Oak would not be impressed with my uh, picture yeah. because the Pokemon was not in the centre of the frame. I would have not got major points there, so I am sorry, Professor Oak." Um, but yes, back to Super Pokemon Rumble. I don't know whether it was the setting or what it was or just the style of the game, but I didn't really enjoy it. I think it's maybe as well if I kind of got thrown in at the deep end and I was randomly picking up where someone was and that sort of thing. Um, if you've played the likes of the Pokemon Dungeon games, then you know kind of semi what this might be like, as in you're controlling the actual Pokemon, you are the actual Pokemon. Um, but you're going around, you're like tapping the A button, and you just randomly attack these other wild Pokemon, and you're like, but I am a Pokemon, so I don't have anybody, you know, telling me orders, so why am I randomly attacking these other people? Um, I'll maybe get to find out more about it in the run-up here to Christmas time, because this, this was a last-minute surprise, this was never announced to the public that this game was going to be here, I didn't expect this game was going to be here, um, it's only very recently, uh, been released in Japan, so um, it was kind of a surprise. Um, I have hopes for it, but I shall wait and see and withhold judgment on that one. Um, Well, to round up with Nintendo, um, there's only really one guy you can round up with, and that is Mario. So, Super Mario 3D Land, Chris. (sighs) This is a difficult one for me, because I... Does the 3D thing come back into it? No, as soon as I was told, you know, what games you're going to play, oh, I have to play Mario Kart, I have to play Resident Evil, I have to play Super Mario. And I played Super Mario, and a couple of levels were fine, but it was the one where you had to hit the switches that I kind of find a bit awkward and a bit weird, but again, with time, you probably get used to it. Um, it's a good game, but it's not. it's not like anything revolutionary because they've basically done the Mario 3D or Mario 64 mm-hmm. you know so it's not as if it's anything groundbreaking it looks like a brilliant game but um, it's like the same day as Skyward Sword in Europe it's like the in- November 18th so and that Pokemon Rumble is like the same day as Mario, Mario Kart, Kart 7. 7 Nintendo have been two big releases on the same day in one month after the other. It will be, uh, don't get me wrong, Mario will be a game I'm getting, but I don't think I will enjoy it as much as I've enjoyed the new Super Mario Brothers in the Wii. Mm. Um, it's very hard to, to 
talk about the 3D Mario games without bringing in Mario 64 or Mario Galaxy. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad it's going back to its roots with like the wee um, music boxes like you find in yeah. Mario 3, the wee um, Tanuki set, you know, that kind of stuff. But uh, it looks like a game, but it wasn't one that... It, it wasn't like Kid Icarus. Kid Icarus blew me away yeah. because I wasn't expecting so much. I expected maybe too much from Mario. Yeah. Um, whereas Mario Kart 7 pleased me and yeah. I thought it was good, whereas I kind of didn't get that feeling with Mario. I think Mario Kart 7 may do better here in the long run than Super Mario 3D Land. I think because of the multiplayer yeah. fact. Because we've sure, a couple of us, you, me and the others from the store have been discussing this and we can't personally wait to get our copies of Mario Kart because we know we'll end up playing multiplayer non-stop for quite a while. Probably. Exactly. Um, which is going to be fun. I didn't I didn't hate Mario 3D Land. I didn't dislike it. Um, but a wee bit like Chris. Um, you didn't I played, love it. I played one level of it. Well, I, played, I, I played three. I played the first level of it. And I felt I played enough to know what I, want, I thought of the game. You know, got a general gist of what the game was. That I didn't feel I needed to play the other three demo levels. And I don't know whether it's bad or what it is. Or whether I just wasn't that worried. Maybe you're just savouring the rest yeah. for yourself, I don't know. That's I don't know what it was, but the wee girl that was standing beside me, watching me play, asking me questions and all that sort of stuff, was like, do you not want to have it on? You know, do you not want to have another level? And I was like, no, I'm okay, thanks, cheers. And that's when Natalie had to go, but it was just like, you know, it'll, it'll be good. I'm sure it'll be good when I get, you know, when I play the full game. I'm sure it will, but it's again, I don't know whether it was just... I'd rather be playing this without a couple of hundred people around me. <laughs> because it's yeah. handheld. The handheld makes things different. The handheld. Mm. Um, just, you kind of think maybe semi-privacy sort of thing. I know it sounds weird. Um, where will we go to next? Where will we go to next? We still have one more from Nintendo. Are you sure? Skyward Sword. Oh, I thought, yeah, was really what you were going to say about Skyward Sword earlier. Skyward Sword... Skyward Score was another... That was a big, big letdown for me. And again, uh, I don't know whether it was the game itself or the setting. I think it was the setting. Because basically, if you if you could imagine yourself... Right, um, anyone who plays Wii is familiar that you have your remote in one hand and nunchuck in the other, okay? So if you imagine, whenever you're playing it, you stand a wee bit back from your TV, uh, okay? So what I want you to do is I want you to grab your remote and I want you to grab your nunchuck, okay? Or pretend you have them. Stand in front of your TV and take two steps back, okay? Once you've done that, then imagine that there's like uh, a wall behind you. And he's not talking big steps. Yeah, uh, imagine there's a wall behind you. That's the freedom you have while playing Skyward Sword. Um, wasn't, so, you know, the person who showed me how to play it was brilliant, um, lovely, asked me questions, you know, how old I was, what did I think of the game, etc, etc. very dare she ask how old you are, Grandpa. I know. I just said that, mm. um, I just said that I was very, it was nice to play another New Zelda game, but, with the Wii, I try, you know, like, with Ocarina of Time and the 3DS, it looks gorgeous, and with this here, just looks so jagged. Mm. It just doesn't look like a next generation game. If they'd done this in the Wii U, or if they even had done this in the 3DS, I think it was would have the looked thing, better. The thing that caught me is, like you say, the graphics didn't look amazing. And I don't know whether it's because the Wii's getting dated or not, but there was just part of me sitting there 
I actually did not play this game. I kid you not, everybody. I did not play it because I'd seen Chris playing a bit, and I'd seen Natalie play it a bit, and I was just like, I'm not actually dying to hop on here and have a go or anything like that. But there was part of me who was sitting when I was watching it and thinking, I swear Twilight, Twilight Princess looks better. There was, just, there was just part of me thinking Twilight Princess looks better. Um, and you're thinking to yourself, and Twilight Princess was developed for the GameCube and ported to the Wii. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know this is kind of down to the way I was saying earlier with they requested some places request you not to take pictures. Yeah, I couldn't take a picture of that. I could take a picture of Natalie playing it. Mm, off the screens? Yeah. <clears throat> because certain things weren't confirmed final codes and all that sort of thing. And plus, uh, sorry, just while you're there, um, if you are showing these um, on TVs, you can get cleaning wipes for the TVs because I'm sorry, but their TVs were absolutely stinking. They're absolutely, um, the dirt that was on them was absolutely horrendous. All you need to do is before somebody goes in to play the game, just give the screen a bit of a wipe. Mm. That's all you need to yeah. do. I know we're sounding awfully critical here, but it's just the wee tiny details that might help you with this game. It's th- and the one thing that worries me with this Zelda is right. This is September, everybody. Very early October, nearly. This game's out the first Friday of December. No, Skyward Sword. No, it's no, out the 18th of November. Oh, my mouth's away with it. Yeah, um, it's less than a month and a bit away. Yep. And that's the quality of the graphics. And they're saying we can't take pictures because it's not final code. If you seriously have your confirmed date less you know, about a month away, it just has me in slight worry. I will no doubt end up getting the game. There's no doubts there. But I'm I'm sorry, but I would get Mario three D now before I got Skyward Sword. Yeah. I but I, anyway, I hope we're proved wrong. I hope yeah. we're proved wrong. Uh, we'll do one more stand and then we'll go to Brady because we've been going for about thirty five um, minutes. We won't really talk about Konami here. Uh, I'll skim over the games that were quickly there, and we'll go to play some, some Pro Evo. There's same Pro stuff. Evo, different. Metal Gear Solid HD Collection. Only which, one of them was there. Yeah, it was P- uh, Peace Walker. Which, to be honest, you should have showed Metal Gear Solid Two instead yeah, of Peace Walker. Downpour, and you, that, that, I didn't that, even see that. Uh, it was in its own area in the corner. Uh, El Shaddai, which is out in the shops already. Anyway. Yeah, and uh, you could enter a competition. So I didn't know the answer, so I just copied somebody else. <laughs> Uh, Disney was there with Disney Universe. Um, their area looked quite fun. Again, didn't really venture into it because it had quite a lot of children in it, ranting and screaming. Um, last section then we'll do is Namco Bandai. Uh, first game from it was one I played is Ace Combat Assault Horizon. This was one of the ones I was pleasantly surprised with at the show. It was one that, if you've listened to previous episodes of the show, that I really enjoyed the Hawks series that was set up by Ubisoft. Really enjoyed the first one. Second one was a bit of a letdown. Um, and I'd been reading reviews in the run-up to Game Fest that people were saying, "Oh, yes, Combat. It's really going to redefine the flying, you know, scenario game, the combat game, um, like Call of Duty did for the first-person shooter." And I'm sitting there thinking, mm, "That sounds pretty good. It must be actually quite." You know, quite a good wee game, um, but I hadn't gotten hopes up um, because Hawks Two had let me down. So I decided to go have a wee go. It was just one of those random stops 
I think we were going in between shows or something like that. Maybe there was some I think, club or something. Yeah, I think. Um, I think no. I think uh, Natalie wanted to play um, Soul Calibur. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Was there? And there was like a queue, so I just went around the corners. Yeah, I. Uh, I think you wanted to play Ben Ten first of all, mm-hmm. but there was a kid there, and you were like, no. Nah, nah. uh, but I played Ace Combat. Put on the Turtle Beaches again. The spon- some of the sponsors from Game Fest. The amount of Turtle Beach headsets used at this event were amazing. I have to give the Turtle Beach guys props. They really deserved to have their own stand there, and they did. And I hope they did some roaring business out of it. Um, well, I actually came home and bought myself yeah, a Turtle Beach headset. I'm probably going to buy one this week, so if that you know. proves anything to you, it's worked for them. Um, and it's simply down to this game, actually, because um, off I went, played the first level of this game, um, absolutely enjoyed it the gameplay was awesome I love dog fight mode it's really really good um, I could go into detail about this for hours but I really don't want to because it's one I want to tease you and say you really have to buy it because it's a game that deserves to be bought but it was the music was a big part of this game and the noises and everything that went together was fantastic and Turtle Beach made it all the better for me and that's what really made me want to get this game with these Turtle Beach headsets because it all just I think that was something that was very important um, while you're talking about that with Call of Duty you felt and uh, especially with you with Ace Combat you felt that you were immersed in it because you didn't have the noise of the people in the background you were cut off you had your headphones on you had the noise pumping in your ears so it kind of felt like right I'm I'm enjoying this. It's kind of almost like um, if a footballer t- steps up to take a penalty or a soccer player, um, he kind of like tries to imagine that there's nobody around him, you know. And that's kind of what that was like with Call of Duty. I was looking at the screen and kind of every so often looking at Natalie or seeing you out of the corner of my eye. But apart from that, I couldn't see the people queuing. I couldn't, you know, like yeah, it was, yeah. you were looking at you the go in the zone because that was that was exactly the same thing for me with Ace Combat because I remember you just got done. With whatever you were doing, the Soul Calibur, and you just came and I was playing a game, and I just see you out of the back corner of my eye because I think you kind of waved just to let me know you were there, sort of mm-hmm. thing. And I'm playing away at the game and I'm in dogfight mode, and I turned around and said, Natalie, after I'm done, I was like, Was I like moving from side to side like I was driving the plane or something? Because I was worried I was going like, like this, you know, and jumping from side to side, having playing the game. Because of the noise and the music and having the Turtle Beaches on, blocking everybody else out, I was like, I am in this plane, I will drive it. <laughs> well, fly it even, drive it, not drive it. Um, but I felt like every turn when I was turning that plane, I was like tugging the controller to turn left and all that sort of stuff. It was really, really good. Um, again, that's partly the game and partly Turtle Beach, so that's a very good mm-hmm. combination. Uh, the next game from Namco was Ben 10. Sadly, I didn't get to play it. I really wanted to play it. Um, after that, we had Dark Souls, which was a favourite of Natalie. She really enjoyed that. Yeah, she played it twice and did very well. Uh, at she basically it. explained that um, Demon Souls, if you've played Demon Souls the first game, you'll enjoy this. It's just more of the same, more of the same fun. And you shall die a lot. Uh, after that was Inversion. It was not one... I got to play. No, no. We did I didn't. have a show in the Hub at some point. We had tickets for, but be it queues or other things that we got caught up in, it, we just ended up not being able to make it. Um, 
This is another slight disappointment for Chris because he is a Ridge Racer fan. The final game Namco had there was no, Unbounded. There's one that's not on the list, but I'll talk about okay, that. Yeah, sure, yes. right. uh, Ridge Racer Unbounded. If you've played, uh, if you played the Ridge Racer series, you know that it's a an arcade kind of style. You know, like you are, are accelerating, you press brake, you press accelerate, and you drift around the corner. This here, you have the B button to drift, very much like in test drives, you would have the X button, the handbrake. Um, this is not something I was comfortable with because I'm an I'm not the blow on trumpet or anything, but I'm an expert at drifting around the corners. If yeah. you're just a great racer on, I know how to drift around a corner, etc., etc. Um, they've moved away from the arcade racing, you know, like get the first place, to making it more. This is burnout. And Burnout has moved away from being Burnout to being an arcade-only kind of download. Um, this, for me, was... I've never seen my car with the bumper hanging off, unless I'm playing Burnout or Split Second. But for me, whenever I played this, I was just like... I couldn't actually finish a race. I was that disappointed in it. And then Al had to go, and he's like, yeah. So actually, we turned round, and then in front of us was an arcade cabinet of Tekken Tag Tournament 2. Uh, we did have a guy, uh, let's just say there was an altercation with a couple of other gentlemen yep. and this man. We were nowhere not, involved. Not us, we not us. Um, <laughs> basically, as Alan was saying earlier on, he was hogging this. Uh, and they, let's just put this nicely, they basically said, this wasn't put here for you, this was put for everyone to share. And the common courtesy of this is, once you've had, like, if we played Mar uh, Street Fighter versus Tekken. Most, which the we'll most we played on. was two games. The only reason we played two games Still was... There. Because there was nobody behind us. If somebody's behind us, whenever you finish, you stand up, you give them a controller, and they'll say, "All right, cheers," and they'll sit down. Oh, it's brilliant! Play as such and such. He's very good, or whatever. Yeah. Um, so his mate was asking him about, you know, like all the, you know, the parries and all this here. All oh, the changes system, you know, Paul does this, Paul does that, and again, like earlier in the day, earlier in the Saturday, um, I think Natalie or Dylan or Alan had mentioned about entering me in like a Tekken fight because or Tekken thing because I'm quite good at that but I held my own against this guy but he beat me I only by an inch yeah he didn't beat me by much but it was a case of this guy had played in our eyesight at least probably six <coughs> games before Chris had got I to think, I think that if I, ha I had beat him I think the guys behind me probably would have shook my hand yeah. and said about bloody time that somebody beat that because his opinion but was basically oh well if I win then I get to stay here on this machine yeah it never said on the arcade cabinet winner stays yeah. on or anything like that but if you are going to conventions you know like like gaming ones make sure that you have some protocol and if you have finished if you do get asked to move on you move on you don't bunk the queue unless you press um, and um, if there is somebody standing behind you um, if you do accidentally play another game, apologise and then that's, do that. That's the one thing I have to say about the Namco Bay, you know, their stand area was, it wasn't manned very well. You would see maybe one or two guys just wandering around in the Namco t-shirts. Yeah, and they give you like the cutout things for like Dark Souls, yeah. Pac-Man and something else, which was re really odd but and random. Unlike other stands like PlayStation, which again we'll get to later, PlayStation had tons of people at it. Yeah. Um, they basically had a member of staff for nearly each kind of display part area. There was yeah. nobody manning this Tekken thing. So this, obviously, that guy was taking liberties, basically. I was like, oh, well, I'm winning, so I can stay here. Yeah. Um, we left promptly after Chris was finished. Um, so goodness knows what happened to the gentleman. 
it's probably still there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we'll have to, like, uh, close up the place and, like, uh, dismantle everything. Cause we'll but uh, I haven't been beaten yet. But, anyway. Anyway. Uh, but yes, we'll take a wee break, sure. You're listening to a podcast on PopCultureNetwork.com. Be sure to head on over to the site at www.popculturenetwork.com to check out more podcasts and videos featuring toys, comic books, video games, and all the things you love. And while you're there, be sure to check out the Pop Culture Network store, where everything you purchase helps to keep us producing. Just head over to popculturenetwork.com and click on store. Time is short, so I'll keep this brief. The enemy fighter squadron is being led by Colonel Markov. He is a deadly pilot. Tiger's down. A guy's getting hammered. He flies a plane with a shark's mouth on the nose. Hence his nickname. Akula. Akula! Hey guys, I'm Rob Bass from Not Mitten Box, and you're with Chris Vince and Alan Price, and this is Operation Retroshock, only on the Pop Culture Network. The map proves it. Drake sailed straight through and headed to Arabia. Great, but what for? The legend crops up over and over. Ubar, Aram of the Pillars. City of immeasurable wealth, destroyed by God for its arrogance. The Atlantis of the Sands. Small problem. The Rubalkali Desert, 600 miles across. I like the immeasurable wealth part, anyway. Don't trust Drake. What are you trying to prove? I'm trying to prove anything. I just want to make sure we're doing this for the right reason. Quit acting like you're ready to lay down and die. You're getting reckless. I taught you better than that. Drop your weapons. I don't think so. You son of a... Keep it steady! Just tell me what you're looking for. Come on! Get in! Come on! Go! Go! Find them. Bring me the ring. No cursed treasures. Nope. No diabolical warlords. No. Not going down there without some hardware. Go talk to that rug merchant we just passed. No guns, weapons. He's not really a rug merchant. Oh. Welcome back, everybody. Some more gaming game fest action. We shall start it right off with one of the big guns, and that is Xbox 360. Surprisingly, this was not a stand or area we really hung around too much at. No. Um, it wasn't due to the content or anything that was on it. Um, it was actually a really lovely setup. Nice, clean, had really, really good uh, Xbox colors to it. The white, the green, really, really nice. Top uh, <coughs> tile. Uh, they have on the list not maybe their best title but Dance Central 2 for Connect. Uh 
not one we really went and looked at. Uh, no. Site queue for it though, so there was enough people interested for that one. Uh, was next. I had a go on that. I was quite impressed with it. Graphically, not too much of an advancement on the last one, but again, it's a game that always pleases me year in, year out, and the fact that, right, uh, in the time it took to get from the last Gran Turismo game to the most recent Gran Turismo game that came out last Christmas, Forza have released. Uh, three games huh. actually and it was in last time because Forza only came out you know, not too many years ago so in about half the time it took to make a Gran Turismo game and to be honest with you the game is just as good quality wise as Gran Turismo so what's the deal Gran Turismo so yeah good game great graphics great gameplay all you can expect from a Forza 4 game uh, Gears of War 3 was next Again, we didn't see much of a point going and playing this game, considering within a little over 24, 48 hours, depending on the day, uh, we were going to be back in our store selling it. So yeah, I can't confirm it is a good game after playing it last night with uh, Jimmy. Hello, Jimmy. Uh, um, uh, co-op and you know split screen. Thought it was very good. Uh, after that was Halo Combat Evolved Anniversary. Again, we didn't go to play this. Um, because obviously. It's just a kind of... It's know, weird though... Graphical option. Yeah, it's weird though that you had a big queue there for a game that had been, as you'll listen to a trailer later on, um, had been released 10 years ago. So it, the demand is still there. Obviously it's not done by Bungie, it's done by a different company altogether. Who actually, by four yeah, who actually revamped it and stuff. So if they get this right, there would be a possibility of them doing the second one. Very much the same kind of way that Nintendo have said that they may do um, Majora's Mask as an HD remake. Yep. Um, but yeah, big, big queue. Um, but one again, we were like, well, we don't want to, we don't fancy spending our long time in that queue just to see an HD remake. Yeah. Uh, Connect Sports Season 2, very much the same as Dance Central 2, capitalising on a sequel to uh, two of the original games that came out for Connect last Christmas. Uh, more sports, more fun, um, but that's all you really need to know about that. And the next and final one for the Xbox stand was The Gunstringer. Uh, Already out. It was out. So it was, so it was, it was again, we didn't... Uh, didn't go and play that one. So really we only went and played one game at the Xbox stand, which you could kind of say is bad for Xbox, um, but it's maybe just us because we're a certain type of gamer and that was maybe more for kind of a family sort of area, you know, go and go play Dance Central, yeah, mm -hmm. that sort of a thing. But considering two of your games that are on your list and on your stands are out, well, either out or out in the next day or two, yeah. um, you weren't going to be you know, that successful with it. Uh, moving on to the other big gun of the thing, both Xbox and PlayStation helped sponsor Game Fest, by the way, so props to them for that. Uh, PlayStation had 10 ton of games here. Their area was pretty cool. It wasn't the biggest of areas, but they coped with it very, very well. It's very spacious. It felt spacious for the amount of stuff that was there, because the way they worked it is they had kind of like a central kind of I'll call it a box or shed or something um, that housed Uncharted, which I'll talk about in a sec. Um, and on the outside of that box, you had other games, the likes of Little Big Planet and all, which again, it wasn't on the list because it's, it's been out for ages, but it was just one of those ones that 
you know, if you were waiting for something, you could just have a play on it. Um, they were kind of on the outside of this, you know, hut thing. But then you had other kind of TV setups dotted around the outside of it as well. And just like wee cabinets and that sort of a thing. Uh, you had Dan Star Party, iPad uh, and Friends, GoldenEye 007, Journey, Medieval Moves, Move Fitness, uh, uh, Pixel Dan's Junk Meal, <laughs> um, Ratchet and Clank All for One, Resistance 3, which was already out, um, Sports Champions, Virtue Tennis, Ico, uh, Ico Chris played, um, and got uh, we all kind of got our first experience of 3D television with glasses. And They're very heavy, those glasses. Yeah. They're very heavy. Um, again, very much like Alan touched on earlier on, you know, like um, with Nintendo, didn't see the point in the 3D. In fact, I had to actually take the 3D glasses off because it was um, starting to hurt my head. Because Chris took them off and basically handed them to me and I was standing there for like the five minutes he was playing the game going, glasses up, glasses down, glasses up, glasses down, glasses up, glasses down, just to see if there was much of a difference. And again, in the gameplay mode, 3D wasn't a big part, but it was like when they did like we sort of game looks gorgeous. The lovely game, you know, like Echo and Shadow of the Colossus are being packaged as an HD remake, very much like they've done with the God of War, uh, Splinter Cell, Tomb Raider. So these games were phenomenally popular, uh, like the cult um, favorites, you know, like on the um, PlayStation Two, very hard to come across, worth a bit of money on eBay. So if you do like your adventure games and something a bit different, this is one that is actually coming out in the next couple of weeks. Uh, probably be about 30 quid round about that so but it does look something that will be worth your dosh definitely definitely um, and as I mentioned just a few moments ago the big name here for PlayStation was Uncharted 3 Drake's Deception and again I got to skip about an hour and a half to RQ thanks to my press privileges which are much appreciated because again I would have probably been in that line. I am not a very patient person. So by the time I'd have got to play the game, I'd have probably been like, ugh, that was annoying. And by day, I was Chris Finton. By night, I was Adam Spencer from BBC Scotland. Yes, you were. Uh, <laughs> that's a wee story for the end. Stay fair. <laughs> but um, I got in to play. Uh, shout out to Liam from the PlayStation stand. Uh, he got me in to play Uncharted. Uh, it was a big multiplayer setup. There was about oh. eight screens, which was pretty nice. It felt very um, in tune with the level you were playing multiplayer-wise. It was a kind of desert ruins sort of uh, level, and it was kind of really, it was really dark and moody inside. It was kind of cool. Uh, it was running on the. It was obviously on the PlayStation stand, running on good PS3s. Uh, I'd heard a story of the day or two before there was some major overheating issues, but luckily none of that occurred uh, when I was there because I might have cried. Um, but yeah, really, really good. The dynamics for Uncharted 3 are just as good as Uncharted 2 and its games before it. Um, running, grabbing stuff up walls, jumping over the walls. And I actually won a multiplayer game on a console. I'm usually pretty rubbish at those sort of things. 
So I was quite chuffed with my Yeah, Natalie and I weren't there to witness that. Natalie needed to go and throw stuff in the pen. I needed to go and use the bathroom. And obviously, because we're pressed, we had like a little area where you just go into. So it was a fruitful moment that I did that because we actually met um, the PR manager for Game, uh, Neil Ashenhurst, I think his name is, if sure. I've said that correctly. Um, so give him our business card. and um, Very nice guy. Yeah, very nice guy. Um, and uh, give us a shout-out on Twitter as well, um, because I said that I worked in the store, and he went, oh, right, okay. And I said, yeah, basically this is all research, uh, to which he commented on that on Twitter, which was uh, kind of funny. But uh, yep. no, paid dividends anyway. But definitely Uncharted 3 was fantastic, graphically as awesome as ever. Um, if you've played Uncharted 2 and it's earlier games, you know what to expect from Uncharted, and... Definitely, definitely, definitely. If there's one game you pick up for PlayStation in the next six months, be it Uncharted 3. You will not regret it. Obviously, buy the other two first if you haven't played them, because there's not much point playing three if you haven't played the other two. Just think if Indiana Jones was... uh, In the modern day. Yeah, this is what it'd be like. Or if uh, if Lara Croft was a man. Yep. That's what a lot of people said, actually, about Uncharted 3. It's captured the essence that everybody enjoyed... Um, from the Tomb Raiders in the early days and brought it up to 21st century standards and uh, just allowed everybody to connect with it. Plus it also has the fantastic voice artist that is Nathan North. So And he also lent his voice talents to, Bat- uh, voice talents to Batman. Yep, and we shall mention what character it is when we get to the Warner Games. So, <coughs> next stop is Bethesda Softworks and uh, they had three main games on display here at the show. Um, and to be quite fair, one of the big ones you couldn't actually play. Where is it, sorry? Oh, Skyrim? Easter. Oh, okay. Skyrim, sadly, and it was lucky we found out it is again, thanks to our main yep. man, GameFestoria, Luke, who you shall hear right after we are finished um, with our Warner discussion, which is our next segment. Um... He'd been in the day before and found out that Skyrim was in fact a video, of which only five minutes of it was new. The other 30 minutes of it you could find pretty much on YouTube. Um, Me, Natalie and Luke headed in there. I think you were with Dylan Kuhn for Batman at this point in time. No, I think we were Kuhn for Mass Effect. Were you? I think it was later in the afternoon. I think no, because you were going to you were going to go to Ridge Racer thing, and you went to Dark Souls at about three, and we were standing there because you came back and you went, "Are you still here?" And it's like, "Yep." Yeah. Um, nonetheless, we were again separated, um, and me, looking Natalie went in, uh, played a bit of Rage, um, which was a pretty decent game. So it was uh, it was one again. I had not really had an interest. Uh, know about but having played it really perked an interest in the game um, it's obviously it isn't far away from release it is out mid-October no Start early October ninth, sorry ninth yeah, October. Seven, oh, 6 or 7 and if you pre-order now you get upgraded to Anarchy Edition I think for free very much mm-hmm. like in Dark Souls if you pre-order now you get the limited edition one for the same price as the normal edition you had is, uh, Prey 2 was there as well it looked pretty cool um, Bethesda's stand has to be given a shout out because they had a huge, huge screen on it. And to be quite honest, I'd have been disappointed if their stand hadn't have been as good as it is. Because, again, the amount of time well, where people were having to what queue. you might as well have said is huge screen, huge bags. Huge bags, yes. Um, 
Not to run down our uh, compadre, Miss Spence, but she isn't the tallest of folks. Um, <laughs> um, That's I'm just with much love, Natalie. Um, that she could have pretty much slept inside this bag, the size of the bag that um, the Bethesda people gave you. You didn't get anything in the bag. It was just a bag. You got there wasn't anything related no. inside said. We bag. thought it would be funny if there was like a keyring inside. Yeah, it, for know. just the size of the bag it was. Yeah. Um, but you did find a lot of people carrying them about simply because all the other like posters and stuff. And the amount of limbs that were injured of mine from those bags is was pretty crazy. And they also had another cool thing they had a setup of one of the weapons from the upcoming Skyrim game and all as well. And they're the only stand that I happened to see throughout the weekend had got awarded a. Uh, some sort of an award, a ribbon oh, of yeah, some kind yeah. that was on the picture that was at the outside. It was something we'd planned to do, but not actually really um, had time to finish off. We will probably do it for next year. Um, but yeah, Bethesda, very, very good showing. And again, you'll hear about it in a couple of minutes when we speak to both Luke and Dylan. Um, speaking of Dylan, we shall move on to Warner and one of his favourite games, a most anticipated game probably it's fair to say apart from um, Mass Effect apart yes. from Mass Effect Mass Effect and Batman were Dylan's two big ones he wanted to see um, Batman we all this is one show we all went to the hub for yeah was Batman Arkham City and this had a big big following at the hub it was a case of they did a showing at if my memory served they did an impromptu showing before us they but did we a were half the first show we were due in for half one, but they did a show, a show, another show before us. There were so many people looking for it. Mm-hmm. And you really, really enjoyed this, didn't you? Yes, I thought the woman whose name escapes me, I'm afraid, um, she was so steady. Yeah, she was very, very um, bubbly, very vibrant. Um, just very cool the way she was going, like, yeah, I'm going to do this, and, you know, like, you're going to fi- find the Riddler. Is Riddler going to be cool? No, he's not. You're going oh, to take I lost him down. My combo. Yeah, it's like I lost my combo yesterday. I did, like, 57 or whatever, and <laughs> um, just whenever we went out, I um, shook her hand and said, You made that very entertaining. And Natalie and I were chuckling away at each other, you know, like, whenever she said stuff. But the game looked, for, uh, again, a major upgrade from the first one. Yeah. Um, Still keeping the same dynamics, you know. Obviously, Mark Hamill is still a Joker in it. You see the Penguin in this, but uh, is, Dylan, as we were mentioning, yeah. a second ago is Drake. Yes, Drake. Yeah, um, but it actually looked like, and Dylan made this observation. And I said, you know what? That's what I thought as well. It actually looked like a glass bottle was in his eye. You know the way obviously in Batman Returns he has the monocle, but it looked like somebody had smashed a bottle, and you just saw the like the bottom of the bottle in his eye. Um, fantastic the way the voice acting worked, you know, like, um, and obviously getting to see Dylan play the game, um, was very good as well. Um, you have different modes that you have to, you can use as well. Um, so one of the puzzle rooms where you had to get the, a certain point without the electricity zapping you and you had to rescue a guy by swinging round and all this here, but... One of those games that I never really thought anything of until I showed it, and then last night, whenever Jamie and Natalie were around, we were actually playing a bit of the first Batman game, mm-hmm. um, and kind of just like like so many other games that I've played, you know, like it's a question that we've asked Luke and Dylan, and will Alan and I'll delve into that a bit more um, towards the end of the show, but 
uh, a surprise hit for me. Yeah. Uh, not saying that I didn't enjoy the first Batman, but not something that I had anticipated actually enjoying. Yeah. Watching the demonstration, I'm very much like prototype, and that's no detriment yeah. to those two, yeah. but it's something that they made that they made that. L- um, very very special yeah. in the fact that it was their characters their characteristics that came out were brought out and made you enjoy that Definitely. and before we move on I actually have to apologise because I have just remembered while you were talking Chris I have been saying Nathan North um, it's Nolan North because I keep, I've kept saying Nathan because the character is called Nathan, Nathan Drake, Drake. Yeah. so yeah I apologise all fan people stop shouting at the up an iPod or whatever I know it's not Alan Price at popculturenetwork.com <laughs> for all your uh, information um, <laughs> correction just write info correct I've already auto corrected that's fine it's no okay. more my apologies bunch of, everybody bunch of ramjets so yes, <laughs> yes ramjets um, <laughs> if you don't know you'll never know um, so yep Batman Arkham City very 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 impressive uh, you happy feet to the video game I didn't play it uh, moving on, uh, Lego Harry Potter years five to seven. The setup of the area for Lego Harry Potter that was Potter very was cool. Like really cool. We didn't play it, but we've obviously played the other Lego games. You know what to expect with those. The setup was cool because they basically created a giant Lego Hogwarts Express, and the TVs and all were set into the side of it. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, Sesame Street Once Upon a Monster. I really class we set up as well. The Warner area wasn't overly crazy or huge or anything like that. There's one more that I don't know if it's there, Lord of the Rings. Yes, yes, it's here. Uh, Sesame Street was good um, because they worked it well. They kind of had the sort of, had a really good Sesame Street feel to it. So, you know, kind of building and all that sort of thing. But then after that you had Lord of the Rings War in the North. What I have to say for both Batman and Lord of the Rings was they actually had uh, two statues. They had one of, obviously, surprisingly enough, Batman. But they also had Gimli. Yeah. Um, the Lord of the Rings one looked very good, but wasn't something that I was prepared to wait for. And whenever Dylan and I had actually got to the Batman on the Saturday, um, they actually had to close it off because it was like at yeah. about 4 o'clock because we were, the Namco Bandai thing was there. And I went, this was before I played Ridge Racer, so I'm kind of happy that I didn't go. Um, I thought uh, Alan Natley and uh, Luke had went off doing something Dark else. Yeah, so... Um, I just stayed with Dylan. I didn't really want him waiting for a while by himself. Um, but um, he was very happy that I got to play the game. Really enjoyed it. But as um, Dylan makes a good point in his interview, um, which you'll hear later on, and something that Warner Brothers may want to keep in mind because it seemed to be the case with that was the same with Lord of the Rings as well. But Yep, so we have mentioned Bethesda. We have men- mentioned Warner two things which crop up here when we speak to Luke and Dylan so we shall go to a little break we shall let you hear what both Dylan and Luke think of what they have experienced with GameFest you know how long it took them to get there what were their favourite games and also whether they suck up to us or not Um, but we'll let you hear that for yourselves even and we will come back after the interviews and speak about Ubisoft You thought you were protecting queen and country. Look at the last 10 years. The wars. The financial meltdown. Who profited? Who came out on top? You know, I did think about asking you to join my little enterprise. 
But your loyalty was always to the mission. Hi, this is Larry Kenny. You may remember me as the voice of Lion-O in Thundercats. And you're listening, as I am, to Chris Vince and Alan Price on Operation Retroshock. Well, folks, and welcome back from the break. Uh, we've got a very special guest who decided to join us at the last minute because he said he was busy, and then he wasn't busy, and then he was, and he wasn't. Uh, so, introduce yourself, sir. Hello, I am Dylan Cook. Yes, and Dylan, you may have heard from the um, Master Universe Chronicles, isn't it, Dylan, that you sometimes appear on? Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Okay. That, o- that other show that you do? Yes, indeed. <laughs> okay, so um, Dylan was... Yeah, the awesome uh, show that we... Yes, yeah. I didn't want to pick it up in case, you know, like I got, you know, like shot down. But how how, how much money did he slip you there, Dylan? <laughs> I slipped him retro gamer, oh, but enough of that. <laughs> so uh, Dylan was um, somebody that we met at Game Fest, which we were at um, last week. Uh, so Dylan, how long did it take you um, traveling um, to Game Fest? Then I know you had uh, train journeys, and more importantly, how long did it take you to get there and then back home? Uh, altogether, it was probably about five hours altogether there. Um, altogether, but about two, two and a half there, two and a half back. Oh, and it, it felt longer on the on the way back because a drunk man slept on me. So <laughs> yeah, because you you left us at seven, and I got a text message from you at midnight to say you were home. Did you? Yeah. Yeah, I don't I was even like, remember that. It's like midnight. It's like midnight. <laughs> it that, like... I, I, well, maybe, maybe it felt longer then. I don't know. I just, it's just I had to move this drunk man off me because he'd fallen asleep and he got heavier as the more he was on me. So, <laughs> you know. Oh, dear. And, of course, the obvious question that, of course, me and Chris know, but not everybody else knows, is how many days did you attend Dylan and what days were they? Or day, even. I, I only did one day and that was a Saturday. 
Um, so obviously Dylan, um, they decided to open the doors early, um, which I had to phone you and let you know about, to let you know where we would be. Um, so from entering, entering the arena, what was the first yeah. thing that, as soon as you came in, kind of grabbed you? Uh, Prey 2, actually, on the, I think it was the Bethesda, Bethesda or Bethesda, I can't remember, but it's, because it's one of the games that I've been looking forward to, because all I've seen is the movie footage that they've been promoting. So I was really curious to see what they were doing with it because it's nothing like the original Prey. So and it's it's looking really really good because it's such a big stand and they had well they had the uh, Oblivion there and all sorts. Um, but then the thing that caught my eye because it was right in front of my face was the uh, Sonic stand as well, the Sonic Generations one. Yeah, that was pretty. Um, I didn't get a chance to play on it, but I was curious because obviously there's been a big hoo-ha about. Sonic not being as good as he used to be so the fact that they brought him back to 2D as well I just wanted to see what that was like that's sweet um, what was your biggest highlight from Game Fest Dylan? ooh um, oh, meeting you guys of course but um, oh, you big trying to get to play out I know I know you paid me enough uh, <laughs> <laughs> finally, getting, finally getting to play Arkham City I think definitely because yes, I've been really really looking forward to that game and there was a little bit of a cue for and, that and there. Oh, just a little bit, yeah. <laughs> are you are you playing, man? No, I keep telling you, I'm not playing. No, go away. I'm not playing. Are you playing? No, I'm not playing. <laughs> it's like I don't, every I don't think that guy knew your face for long, did he? You know? No. I think he asked you about ten times if you were playing. Yeah, sometimes I would say I was playing and I wouldn't. So, Dylan, um, your top three games played at the event. And since you've actually played like any of the games, say like Mass Effect 3 or Batman, have you actually went back home and replayed one of the earlier series? Um, I haven't replayed really Mass Effect because I've only just finished Mass Effect 2. Um, and I, haven't, I was going to start playing Arkham Asylum again, but then I bought Assassin's Creed 2 and that's kind of taken up my time now. <laughs> but... I think I'm going to do a quick run through Arkham's Asylum again just to get me back into it. You know, when the game comes out at Christmas time. So. Yeah. Well, I'll be getting it anyway. So. And what were your actual top three? Um, def- it's got to be Arkham City's number one, then Mass Effect 3, and then Street Fighter Cross Tekken. Yeah, definitely yeah. those three. Mm-hmm. Cool. And what was your worst game? I wasn't at game too first? impressed. Oh, I was about to say, it was the Tekken Hybrid one. I was actually quite disappointed with it. Um, it it looks really really pretty, but I don't like the characters they've chosen to play with. They're a bit they're a bit dumb because um, the two devil characters look like rejects from uh, what you call it Power Rangers. So, <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't as impressed <laughs> as I would I, I was hoping to be because I'm a really big Tekken fan. So we actually found on the Sunday that there was Tekken Tag Tournament Two was there. So we had a go, well, I had a go on that because somebody was hogging that, but that was a different story. But Dylan, what was your best freebie from Game Fest then? Uh, well, the only freebie I managed to get was the Zelda keyring, which actually is pretty cool. I've, I've actually given that to my wife, because she's more of a Zelda fan than I am. So, uh, yeah, that was really cool. I mean, I got the Batman poster, but I don't know what to do with that, so I gave it to my uh, friend's kid, who really, really, he's really, really happy with it, to be honest. So. <laughs> <laughs> did you not get, you got a Mass Effect t-shirt, did you not? Oh, I did! Oh, yeah. okay. The excitement in his voice. For shame, Dylan. For I know. shame. I, know, I, I would have sat here and played this game. I've already played it. Do you want to go somewhere else? No, Dylan, I'll sit with you. I'll chat to you about He-Man and stuff. Oh, look, you got a free t-shirt. Yeah, don't forget you got that t-shirt. Oh, Keyring was my favourite. <laughs> 
Oh, don't guilt trip me. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, then the T-shirt is definitely the best thing. Yeah, because I, I, I'd forgotten I had that. I, I really like that T-shirt as well. <laughs> um, kind of a two-parter question, but who was your favourite pu publisher there, and who had the best stand? Ooh, that's, that's tough, actually. Um, I'm going to go with... Ubisoft's Assassin's Creed stand for the best one because right. I really I quite it was the only I mean even though Nintendo had the giant bird above it which looked really cool and the statues and stuff the Assassin's Creed's Bedouin tent looked really really cool and it worked with what they were you know what they were promoting and I quite liked the big flamey thing I um what, what was the other one what was the worst one was it or no it was uh, what was your favourite publisher that was there who do you think had the strongest performance the one who had the strongest performance was whoever had Modern Warfare, wasn't it? Or <laughs> Battlefield 3. I mean, the, the, the cues for that were mental. Um, the favourite publisher, though, uh, I think Sony, because their stand had so much of everything that it was... I mean, they didn't... I mean, it's, it's I mean, nothing, nothing, you know, I didn't get a chance to play on anything, but I got... They had such a variation of different games there. And I think the only one I spent more time on was when, with the Capcom one when I met you guys. Mm -hmm. And they'd done a nice job on that because they had it, everything was going in towards you. had all the fighting games on the outside, and as you got inside, you had the other, the other games, which I thought was quite nice. Yeah. But they, theirs was also the only one I found where you, got, you had a chance to play on all the other games, whereas someone like Rocksteady and their Batman one, the queue was so long... And there was only three screens, and I'm surprised because it's such a big game. I thought they would have had more. So, yeah, de definitely those. Okay. Um, obviously, um, since Game Fest 2011 ended, um, they have announced that they will be doing the Game Fest 2012. Yay! W will you be going to that, <laughs> Dylan, or will you be attending another gaming convention? Because our, our memory serves there's one in Manchester at some stage as well. Yeah, and Eurogamer was this weekend, wasn't it? Mm -hmm, yeah. Uh, I think I'd rather go to Gamefest, actually. It's a it's a much more relaxed environment. The problem is, like, if I went to Eurogamer, I know I would I'd probably only get to play on one game, and being in London, it would absolutely be rammed. So, mm. <laughs> and that's not to take away from Gamefest, because, I mean, Gamefest was pretty rammed as it was, but, I mean, yeah. at least you got to walk around, and it was a chilled atmosphere, and I think that's a nicer thing to go to, to be honest with you. Cool. Um, what improvements do you think could be made for next year, though, Dylan? The layout could be improved, I think. To me, there was a lot... It felt like there was a lot of empty space on some of the bits. You know, if you know what I mean, they, they could have fitted... I think they could have fitted more in there. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not, I'm not, well, they could have brought the prices down on the burgers. That would have been nice. <laughs> <laughs> best, of best of British my arse. <laughs> It's like that's a lovely. Yeah, mm. the sausage roll the next day though was beautiful. Yeah, and that was only three pounds, not like <laughs> eight pounds. Yeah, that's still quite extortionate. But uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, it, I think I think that um, it, it's still so new. So I don't know if a lot of publishers are signing up to get you know to uh, promote stuff because they weren't sure how it was going to be. But the response that they got, I think there's going to be more next year, definitely. Okay. And last question for you, Dylan. Uh, what would be your lasting memory from Game Fest? If somebody was said, um, "Oh, what are you enjoying Game Fest?" What would be the first thing that would come to your come to mind? Oh yeah, I'm gonna be a soppy sad. It's meeting you guys. That's what it was. Yay! Hey. Well, yeah. I mean, that's 
one of the reasons I went, and that's the bit I remember the most, you know. So, yeah. there you go. I was, I, my good deed for the week. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Um, right okay so um, Dylan obviously has been on Master Universe Chronicles so if you are a He-Man fan Dylan if you would like to promote the stuff that you do um, pertaining to Master Universe and uh, thanks for uh, hopping on at such short notice hey, that's no problem uh, if you do like Master of the Universe uh, just pop along to www.facebook.com forward slash M-O-T-U-C that's where you find all like news and people talking reviews all that kind of stuff Okay, and uh, also Dylan is a very talented artist. So Dylan, isn't there an upcoming gallery or something that you're doing as well? If you would like to plug that. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, what we're doing, we are called Jurassic Dorks. We are an illustrative, co- uh, illustrative uh, collective, and basically in December, from the eighth to the to the fifteenth, we're doing the A to Z of the eighties. And basically, we are all doing drawings pertaining to a letter, and it's all done on movies, cartoons, and video games at that time. So if you're, if you're around Bristol, pop along, come in, and we'll be there, we'll, and have a look at all the artwork. And can you tell us what letters you have to tantalize the listeners? Uh, I'll give you one of them, and that's okay. Q. Ooh. He's drawn Qbert then. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not telling you, but it, 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 it's... It's different. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, the Queen is Cubert then. Uh, Dylan, thank you very much. It was a pleasure meeting you at GameFest. So thank you for coming on and sharing some of your, your memories with us. Um, and uh, obviously, Dylan will be on Master Universe Chronicles at some stage um, since all the PowerCon stuff went down. And Dylan sent me a message going, oh, I want to on podcast to talk about stuff. So, um, just Dylan, thanks once again. Oh, thank you very much, guys. And join us after the break whenever we'll be playing a little bit more random trailers from GameFest and then we'll be talking to somebody else as well. Who will it be? You need to tune in to find out. So listen as Navi says. It's not right now. Listen. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> This is James Sawyer, otherwise known as Sala. Are you a fan of the Mattel Masters of the Universe Classics line? Well, head to MotukeFigures.com. 
That's M-O-T-U-C-Figures.com. We've got some great pictures of the figures. We've got creator interviews, Ask Maddie segments, comic scans, and a whole lot more. After you head there, go on over to Facebook.com slash Masters of the Universe Classics and join a bunch of other fans in discussing the line. Peggy 3. And welcome back from the break, everybody. We have another special guest with us. We've had Dylan Cook on. It is now time for... Please introduce yourself. It's Luke from Game Pastoria. Woo! Hello. Uh, ears. Ears. Was not expecting the woo. <laughs> so, yes, uh, Luke, pleasure to have you on to talk about Game Fest. Um, before we actually start, um, how did you get involved with uh, setting up the Game Festoria um, Twitter account um, and um, you just basically um, becoming a lot of people's uh, go-to guy? Yeah, go-to guy for uh, Game Fest news. Thank you, Alan. Brain fart there. I uh, I don't remember. <laughs> In the short sense of the term, okay. I think it just happened that the fact that there was nothing else going on about it and. I'm pretty sure it was just a chat in the pub to uh, to one of the friends, and it kind of got started on my phone from there. And the phone kind of started with the Twitter, and then came back in about a week later. I think I started the website up, and then it kind of just rolled on, and is what it is today. Sweet. Okay. Um, well, obviously, um, with ourselves, we had to travel quite far. But how long did it take yourself, Luke, to travel um, down to Game Fest and also travelling home? Did, was one longer than the other? <laughs> I was all right. Yeah, on the way there on the uh, on the Friday, uh, we had a car full, so I drove. Um, it was only about an hour and twenty to get down, and then because getting stuck in traffic, it was about four hours back. Oh. Uh, and then Saturday was the train, and somehow. You two managed to beat me, being <laughs> getting to the uh, getting to the airport and then getting like the, the plane. The and you were still there. I was still yeah. in the station when you landed. <laughs> yeah, so, no, it was it wasn't that bad. Not that bad at all. Uh, obviously, uh, we've we both attended two days. You were the Friday Saturday. We were the Saturday Sunday. But hmm. from entering the arena, look, what was the first thing that grabbed you? I think the first thing was what pushed me over with the amount of people running. <laughs> I don't think I had much. Um, now, to be honest, the first thing that got me was um, Bethesda. You know, they were in a perfect setup as you walked in. Had an absolutely huge screen, and as we got on the Friday set into the open bays, um, they fired up a couple of uh, Rage and Skyrim trailers, and, you know, that, that really got everyone going in the crowd, and I think that was uh, 
really good thing that was that was definitely the first point that kind of caught me and then next thing was uh, Sonic dancing away to the right on the Sega stand so it was kind of <laughs> all go from from first step to be honest <laughs> okay uh, what would be from the two days you were there like what was your biggest highlight from Game Fest if um, somebody was to say uh, sum up Game Fest in one um, like one story what would it be <sighs> That's a big question. Um, I suppose a load of people walking around in morph suits probably wouldn't suit that. Um, <laughs> honestly, I, I took everything from the experience. I just thought it was awesome overall. Um, I don't think there is is one set thing. To be honest, I mean, I enjoyed myself from start to finish. You know, it was more gutting when we left. Um, I, I think it's one of those experiences when you're there. It is brilliant, and if you weren't there, then be there next year. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, with that being your biggest highlight, you know, like you can't really sum up what it would would be. What would be your biggest disappointment from Game Fest? Then, if you can't mention your biggest highlight, what would be the one thing that kind of um, more narked you more than anything? I think the only thing that got me was the lack of screens from some developers. Um, for example, like Assassin's Creed, I think they had an eight-screen setup the multiplayer now obviously the beta came out on the PlayStation 3 if you were lucky enough to be part of kind of the, uh, the Ubisoft um, but also there's a lot of people there looking to play it and the, the queue for that was uh, was immense you know you can expect it for Call of Duty and Battlefield but the uh, I think yeah that, that that was that was kind of the biggest letdown that they didn't bring a little bit more to the show but it, it's a learning curve you know it's the first year um, you know, hats off to them, they all did an amazing job all the stands there were absolutely brilliant but yeah I think uh, the one disappointment was a few more screens and a bit more oomph needed I think from some of the developers Fair enough um, Speaking going from the negative to a positive if you can it may be hard but do you have a top three games that you played at the event and if so have you went back to play any of the older versions of these games? Oh, yes. Top game of the show, which absolutely sold it for me, was uh, Star Wars Old Republic. Um, I don't even want to know how many times I played that. Uh, <laughs> and then from there, I've jumped back onto... Actually, you'd think that Knights of the Old Republic would be the natural one, but I didn't. I've jumped onto uh, to Bounty Hunter on the GameCube for a bit, <laughs> of, yeah. bit of retro action there. Um, then that was definitely my top game of the show. Second one was... Um, Formula One 2011, uh, yeah, 2011, um, obviously jumped back to 2010 and just got 2011 as well, and that hit the shelves the other day, so been hammering that, and um, thinking third game of show, has to be Assassin's Creed, and yes, I'm currently replaying through the entire series, <laughs> yeah. I've completed them all on the PS3, rebought them, and I'm on them all on the uh, Xbox now. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, so um, Alan seems to come off the positives and I come off with the negatives. So, uh, Luke, what would be your worst game that you played at Game Fest? I'm not going to say anything, really. <laughs> I'm just going to say I did try Tintin. Oh, no way. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, that's yeah. all that needs to be said. <laughs> Move on quick. Is that is that the hint, Luke? Yeah. I don't want to offend anyone. <laughs> Uh, well, well, we'll go back to you, we'll go back to your positive then. Uh, what was your best freebie you got? Do you know what? I'm really impressed with the uh, Driver San Francisco soundtrack. Um, exactly the same I love having that yellow. Man. That was uh, that was brilliant. 
I think that was one of the best. And the dog tags as well. Got a pair of the game for story of dog tags, which was a, a nice little treat. Yeah, and obviously Nutley got one as well for uh, hers being spelt wrong, which uh, uh, seems to have been the trend now at work with her name badge being altered, shall we say. Yeah, uh, by, the, by the time this, altered. Brilliant. By the time this is up, uh, she's probably still not realised her name tag's been changed in work. Um, so yeah, I'm probably going to get a slap next time. Well, no, she'll actually be happy because it now matches the dog tags. <laughs> yeah, Makes yeah. perfect sense. You should appreciate You've done her a favour. <laughs> so, uh, Luke, you were ta- we were talking earlier on about you know the best games and stuff. But for you, who would be the best publisher there? And obviously, like your um, uh, your Twitter account was asking people uh, the best stand for you. Um, what would that be? Now, I actually think for me this year was Activision. Now they really set the bar for for what's to come. I think with uh, Game Fest twenty twelve, you know, not just the. Uh, Obviously, the Call of Duty side of it, which took up a stand on itself, but kind of the the other side when you flip back and you have the Skylanders, Legend of Spyro, and kind of all the games there, the setup, the Bond car, it was they they really kind of pushed the boat out, and uh, I think they definitely won it for me anyway. Okay, and uh, was that be your best stand, or was there a different one from that? Apart from you know that, that being the best publisher, would uh, was that the best stand as well? Yeah, I think. I was on two minds. Assassin's Creed is obviously one of, my, one of my favorite games of all time. So, you know, they they kind of uh, took a bit for me. But yeah, I'd still say Activision was uh, was the favorite stand to kind of visit. It was a brilliant atmosphere around there. Seems to be a lot of action, and uh, yeah, definitely definitely take them as the top. Okay, cool. And I think it's fair to say you will be back next year. Yes. Oh yes. Full <laughs> three days occurrence hotel this time. Not gonna make the same mistake of nearly falling asleep on the train on the way home on Saturday. Oh <laughs> uh, dear. But speaking of next year, what improvements do you think could be made? Is it would there be any major ones or is it just do you think a few minor tweaks would make it just all the better? I think it's just gonna be bigger. I think that is the only thing. I think that's gonna solve all the problems that there may have been. Um I'm hoping to kind of see Square Enix next year as well, actually. They were at, uh, mm-hmm. at Eurogamer, obviously, which just recently going on, um, but they didn't show up at Game Fest, which was a bit of a disappointment. But no, I think next year they're probably going to uh, make it a bit bigger, a bit better. Developers are going to come, and publishers are going to be there with a lot more things, probably a lot more freebies, and I think it's uh, the first year testing the water has, has been a huge success. Okay. And lastly, Luke, um, what would be your lasting memory from GameFest? Meeting you guys. Yay, more corny goodness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You love it. You love it. You know. There's lots of love from GameFest Story <laughs> to Operation RetroShock. You know it. <laughs> no, well, it was it was great to actually meet you, like very much like Dylan. You know, like we've only really encountered ourselves through cyberspace, so to actually put a face to the name, um, you know, was good as well. Um, why my face isn't on anything. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so look, obviously, um, big things uh, happening for your website and stuff. So yeah. feel free, anything and everything that you're doing, game related, anything that people can get involved in. Now is the time, sir. Now is the time for people to head on over and uh, check all the stuff out. So off you go, with Twitter account, web pages, YouTube, whatever. Off you go, sir. Well, yeah. In the uh, next coming weeks, I'm going to be launching Game Fest Story TV, which is the 
color reviews, previews, news. I'm going to have a bit of a retro section in there as well, I've decided recently. Um, oh, oh, do you need any? Oh, you know, uh, like, yeah, we but, know a couple uh, of guys who know yeah, pretty... Jim. You know, like know stuff about retro games, so you know we may slip you a card or something. But carry on, sir. Yeah, I, I think I may have a, a regular guest spot open there for you know, something's kind of telling me that. Um, but no, so that's going to be launching pretty soon. Um, if you follow me on Twitter, you'll see that the YouTube channel's been created. I fired up a bit of a teaser. Um, I've been working on that the last couple of weeks. Next thing is going to be trying to get some backing as well. Um, we're going to make it bigger, better, be there, full presence for uh, Game Fest 2012. You know, we're going to have uh, eventually some decent competitions coming in. Uh, I've got a bit of interest from from few people out and about in the uh, in the gaming world that have a few things to give away. Um, it's, it's basically just going to get bigger and better. The website's going to be revamped very shortly as well. Again, I think it's his third revamp in about two months. Uh, but you learn, you know. We get bigger, we get better. Um, you know, just just to say now as well a huge shout out to uh, to everyone really that's up to this point who supported and kind of made it what it is you know I wouldn't be here without you guys without everyone else out there on the Twitter you know it probably would have been deleted by now if I'm at the spot <laughs> so, uh, you know it's a, a big thanks and the main aim of what I've always tried to say is Game Fastoria isn't just me doing something isn't just me there as the Twitter me as the website it is for fans it's user submitted so if there's anything that people out there want to do they just contact me reviews of games they'll all get posted on the website they want to work and do a little bit of a spotlight on game story tv i'm more than happy to give them a chance i know there's a lot of youtube guys out there that you know i'd love to have them on board just maybe as a guest speaker once or twice um you know it's kind of here for everyone so and i think that's it i'm here for for the fan side of it rather than just the uh, the publisher side yeah, well, maybe that's something that uh, obviously Operation Retroshock and maybe Game Fastoria could do in conjunction would be like an audio podcast or something like that once every couple of months. Um, obviously, we could maybe then team up to give away uh, competitions, you know, uh, first prize, runner prize, something like that there. Yeah. But uh, look, it's been uh, great to talk to you and it was great to meet you. It's hard to believe it was last week. It feels <laughs> like it was just a couple of days ago. Um <laughs> You know, we've all been t- sitting here coming back and going, like, yes, we played that event, brilliant game, brilliant game, you should pre-order it now. I should I'm, look sure, uh, I'm sure Alan's still been on the mountain, do you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he actually bought a big bottle of it yesterday um, for him going to ice hockey, so, you know, like we've tried to restrain him, as, and try as we might, he just, it just doesn't seem right. I, I, I made it six days. <laughs> that is impressive. You sound like you're on a heroin come down. I made it six days, I just I needed some more. It's sixty nine P for a bottle in the corner shop. It's like oh dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, look, well, uh, again, thanks for uh, hopping on Operation Retroshock. Pleasure to have you on. So once again, thanks very much. No problem, great to be here. And cheers again for all your help as well. Okay, so join us after the break whenever we'll have more insight to what happened at GameFest twenty eleven. <laughs> Hi guys, I'm Brock from Pokemon. Remember, I went traveling with Ash and Misty? I'd rather travel back in time with Alan and Chris on Operation Retroshock. <laughs> Maybe they'll be girls.
washed-off snow is burning my hands I'm frozen to the bones I am healing my from home I'm walking away I come from mine, your eyes, your face Claudia, my dearest sister I have been in Acre a week now, safe and in high spirits but prepared for the worst. The men and women who have fed and sheltered me here also give me warning that the road to Masyaf is overrun by mercenaries and bandits, not native to this land. What this could mean, I dread to guess. When I first set out from Roma ten months ago, I did so with a single purpose, to discover what our father did not. In a letter written the year before my birth, he makes mention of a library hidden beneath the stones of Masyaf Castle. A sanctum full of invaluable wisdom. So what will I find when I arrive there? Who will greet me? A host of eager Templars, as I fear most strongly. Or nothing but the whistling of a cold and lonely wind. Masyaf has not been home to the Assassins for almost 300 years now. And we still claim it for our own. Are we welcome there? Ah, I am wary of this fight, Claudia. Not because I am tired, but because our struggle seems to move in one direction only. Towards chaos. Today, I have more questions than answers. This is why I've come so far. To find clarity. Find the wisdom left behind by the great Altair, so that I may better understand the purpose of our fight and my place in it. Should anything happen to me, Claudia, should my skills fail me, or my ambition lead me astray, do not seek retribution or revenge in my memory but fight to continue the search for truth, so that all may benefit. My story is one of many thousands, and the world will not suffer if it ends too soon. Welcome back, everybody. We hope you enjoyed that little insight into Luke and Dylan's time at GameFest. Of course, obviously, check out both things that not only Dylan does, but Luke does also. Dylan is a very talented artist, very talented. We actually got a sneak peek of one of the things that he's doing at the convention, and it is phenomenal. Yep, it is huge. And, of course, yes, Luke fantastic fantastic guy game Festoria. just look for it on twitter he is the know-it-all guy for things game fest so if something happens to creep up about what you know happens next year at game fest you can keep an eye on his twitter feed because he may just drop a few wee hints and of course obviously you're going to have game Festoria tv will be coming up but we will be posting all the links for that in the description the show. So just go there and look and you will be able to get yourself to wherever you need to go. So, moving on. Uh, Ubisoft uh, probably 
I think it's fair to say has one of the long. I think this was had one of the longer lists, but one of the ones we didn't play any of. Would that be correct? Um, because every other stall we played something of apart from here. Uh, well, well, Disney um, would be the only one then. But then we had one game, so it doesn't really. Yeah, so this was one that had lots of games, but we didn't play any of. Uh, so we'll go through this Assassin's Creed Revelations, um, as no doubt you heard with the guys there. Um, the setup there kind of stood out. Uh, Look, kind of thought that they were a wee bit of a letdown in the terms of the number of screens they had. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Dylan liked the fact of the tent and also it was really character. It was very good, but it was kind of stupid of the fact that obviously if you have the queue at one side, you could actually go past the other side and it kind of had like a wee hole. Yeah. So you could kind of just stand there and look in and just see what the game's like and then that just stand there on. You wanted to, yep. yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, it looked really nice, but again. Luke had informed us the day before our, our first day, his second day, that it was effectively the beta multiplayer that had yep. been released not too long ago, so it wasn't anything revolutionary or standout that you hadn't seen already. Next is Driver San Francisco, which you've obviously heard our review of on ORS Reviews in our last episode. This was out, this was on public release, but I found there's still quite a lot of people queued up to play it. A lot of it, it seemed to be more. It seemed to be more one of the ones that the TV was lower on the ground near enough, and so you had to like sit on the floor to yeah. play it. So yeah, um, obviously um, one of Alan's favorite bit of swag is what he can talk about right about now. Yep, um, you could enter a competition to win a holiday to San Francisco, see the sights of the game itself, all that sort of stuff. Uh, all expenses paid, obviously. Um, but for entering it, for just simply filling out a few details, handing them back, you got a Driver San Francisco soundtrack on vinyl. And not only, you know, you may say to me, oh, Alan, it's on vinyl, nobody uses vinyl anymore. Yes, that might be so, but just the look of this vinyl is fantastic because it's bright yellow to match Tanner's car. It was awesome. A nice wee piece of swag. Unfortunately, it was probably the most annoying piece of swag as well because it took up so much space and was so big that it barely fit in our bags. Um, I was actually lucky to get it home. I'm sure Steve, our manager, actually couldn't get it in his bag. Give it away to some guy at the airport. Yep. <laughs> uh, simply because it was taking up too much space. You wouldn't think that because it's meant to be thin, but it's just the width of the thing. It was crazy. But yeah, it was really, really busy for a game that was already on public release, which was kind of good to see, but that's because I'm biased. Um, you had Motion Sports Adrenaline, again, not something we really looked at. Rayman Origins had a wee five-minute look at it. it. looked pretty decent, so it did. Um, but again, that's kind of a semi-reboot as well. They're rebooting quite a few games. Uh, you had Tom Clancy Ghost Recon Future Soldier. We didn't queue to see this. It's... I don't know whether yeah, I, I think the thing that for me that didn't I didn't have an interest to play this game was because it's been meant to be coming out again now for the last two years. I'm just like you've delayed it and you've delayed it and you've delayed it. Why should I be running to you? Why should I be interested? It looked very cool the the way setup. they had the setup, you know, yeah. like the barbed wire fence and that kind of stuff, camo stuff. And yeah, all. yeah, it looked very cool that way. But at no point did I think I really want to go and play Ghost Recon. Now, if it would be Rainbow Six. Would have been a different yes. matter. Yeah, definitely. But it's just a case of there was just that little doubt in the back of my mind, thinking, "You've delayed this game for near two years now. What are you hiding? Mm. What's the, what's been the issues? You know, it doesn't take that long." But I'm alive. 
<laughs> yeah, like I am alive. When's that? I'm going to come out 2015. Um, <clears throat> you had Your Ship Fitness Evolve 2012. I absolutely loved this game. Oh, wait, no, I didn't play it. Uh, <laughs> I know I wanted to play it, but um, I actually couldn't see it. Um, I don't know whether I was blind or not. Um, <clears throat> Could make a joke about shape and stuff. Quite <laughs> other people being there, but anyway. We have a little story about the next game, and the game after this. The first game of our last two that I want to speak about is WRC2. Yeah, we decided to take our wee dander. We hadn't really paid much of attention to Ubisoft on... Because we were near enough at the back of the hall, back yeah. left, near where... The only reason we went near it was... Near <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. But that's uh, that's uh, tying nicely to the next story. But we just kind of dandered through it. It was kind of in, in like a wee arcade hall. You kind of could walk straight up the middle of it and catch everything and that sort of thing. Um, sorry, there's actually a third game that I would be forgiven for forgetting it. But at WRC2, we were walking through the wee area, and this was about 2 o'clock on the Sunday. So, still about 4 hours till the place begins to close up, and there's a big piece of paper saying, no more demos today. Oh, and we're out of Avatar figures, and Avatar was spelled wrong. Avatar. <laughs> Avatar. <laughs> Um, so for some odd random reason the guys at WRC2 had shut up shop um, which if it had been open I'd have probably had a quick blip on it to see what was going on and that was it. the only stand that did that nobody yep. else packed up anything now there was a time like in Batman um, they actually give a, um, Dylan was talking about a poster they actually give the posters away because the consoles they thought were going to overheat so they just switched them off and they were asking questions you know like who's Batman Bruce Wayne you know like what's um, the Riddler's proper name um, Commissioner Gordon's daughter who is she blah 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 yeah. so they kind of entertain you they didn't put up a sign you know like or have people queue in and say console switched off come back in five minutes yeah they or didn't, say, here, they didn't you know. say we had technical difficulties yeah. or anything like that yeah. so it basically looked like oh we got bored dealing with you as we're away home so but as Alan has just said about Ghost Recon what are you hiding maybe that was something else with WRC yeah, but really that's just speculation from our yeah. end of it you know um, so. <clears throat> the game that I said I would be forgiven to forget about is again uh, one that Luke mentioned is The Adventures of 1010. Yes, moving on. Uh, Just Dance 3. This is Yubi's big one. This is Yubi's big one alongside Assassin's Creed 4. My god, can I move? Oh yeah, baby. Uh, well, did move, uh, but it was after he. Yeah, I'm, and I'm not talking about going for food. I'm actually talking about we were all. No, you did. No, you did because you we had finished our sausage roll and then you went and got a hot dog, and you went. I thought hot dogs, and then you moved and you I went and got hot dogs. The Saturday and then the Sunday, so like, shoot. Uh, Saturday, um, I wasn't particularly hungry at lunchtime, uh, so I didn't get anything. It was Natalie and Chris went and got the awesome burgers you heard us talking about there with Luke. Um, eight pounds for a rat burger. Mm, lovely. Well done there, Chris. And the drink was warm, which is horrible. Oh. I just don't like warm Coke. No, that's not Rot. good. But as they were doing that, me and Dylan had been chit-chatting and all that sort of a thing. Um, and I'd been glancing back and forward to the Just Dancing because they had a big, uh, multicoloured, you know, lighty-uppy dance floor. So they had, and they had professional dancers up there dancing but members of the public could go up and dance as well <laughs> and you know a certain song would come on you know it would 
it would catch your attention. You'd look around for a while and you would see them doing things. And I kind of was paying attention and looking at the dance moves. And it was uh, the LM FAO song came on the every day I'm shuffling and all that sort of thing. And I'm sitting there and I'm sitting in my chair and I'm going, right, that, that, up, up, round, spin that, around. Um, so I'm sitting there in my chair, you know, putting my arms up in the air and spinning them around and all that sort of stuff. And the others are looking at me and they're like, going like, what the hell? And I'm sitting there and I'm tr- there's every ounce of me is trying to restrain myself from <laughs> going up to this dance floor and taking part. I was so, so close to doing it. And even more close on the Sunday, probably, considering this is the next kind of wee story with Just Dance was. Yeah. Was a guy dressed up as a Call of Duty soldier, just. And he was a big fella, like, he was a tall guy, and he was up there. Didn't have much rhythm to him at the beginning, but boy, as that song went on, he got in. Yeah. And I have video of it, and it will be posted online to the Facebook page, to the Pop Culture Network forums to Twitter so you will see it I would love to have got the guy's name and said by the way mate you're kind of going to be mentioned and all that sort of stuff but it was really really good Just Dance kind of captured your attention and I don't think it could have been put in a better place and it sounds weird than beside the catering yeah I think because you have the your audience there you know like you had a quite a lot of seating there so it's a case of once you sat down there that was what you're looking at. It's kind of like if you had a big, massive, widescreen TV there. That's what people would focus on. But that was that was basically where you looked at, and that was basically where you just went, "Huh, look at him. He's going to rice. Yeah, He's going to stacks. Yep. So fair play to that gentleman. Mm-hmm. He had more balls than me. So, moving on from Ubisoft, we go to Sega. Sorry, that was a really bad impression, but I had to try. Um, they had Anarchy Queens, <coughs> Binary Domain, House of the Dead, Overkill, um, Rise of Nightmares. Not really interested there. Sorry, guys. Um, wouldn't have there was part of me wouldn't have minded the saying House of the Dead, yeah, thing like that. Uh, even Rise of Nightmares, but again, it had just been released, Rise of Nightmares, mm-hmm. so not that big of a deal. Um, the big two from Sega are, of course, Mario and Sonic at the London 2012 Olympic Games. Sega, for both Mario and Sonic at the London Olympics and Sonic Generations, had a fantastic setup. Yeah. They really, really did. Because they had, for the Mario and Sonic at the Olympics, they had like a little canoe, so you could actually just sit there with your remote and canoe away. <laughs> uh, but the Sega, the Sonic Generations, the one um, Dylan said he would have liked to play very good, um, very fast-paced Sonic. We which played is it just before he arrived. Yes, first yeah. day. So we did. Um, very, very good, very, very good week game. We actually got a week hearing uh, Sonic Generations, um, Sonic Shoe. Sonic Shoe, but very good, but very weird. The fact that you have Sonic on a skateboard, you know, um, skating away from a uh, big um, pickup truck. Right, you must have been playing a different level to me because I was playing, you know just one of the original style levels so it was no I was just doing that there it was very very good and very very pretty very colourful um, so it looks promising it yeah. looks very very promising so I think you know obviously they released Sonic episode, you know Sonic 4 episode 1 and really there's been no nowhere. talk of episode 2 so my, my surmising is that they just stopped that and put all the effort into this mm, but uh, yeah it looks really really good and it probably is one I will pick up whether I pick it up 
right away or not because there is so many games coming out for Christmas is another question mm-hmm. um, but I hope it does well and it looks good because it looks like the first semi-decent Sonic game for a long long time Mario Sonic the London Olympic Games yes very good like Chris said um, you had the canoes and there was football the football, the football, the football was we very, must mention is slow. a poor man's version of uh, Smash Football Mario Smash Football and um, you can tell it was kind of just put in there as part of the yeah. game but it's designed to have loads of the different events, so you kind of forgive it that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it had a decent enough wee showing. And on to our good friends at EA, and I think it's fair to say, and I'm not trying to rhyme or anything, um, that EA, though their list was shorter than most other big names, they had a lot of heavy hitters. Yeah, they had a lot of cues. They had a big, big names... Big, big queues, big everything. And EA was the first um, first time we actually went to um, to go and play Mass Effect. Mass um, Effect 3, yes, indeed. Is it okay if I talk about Mass Effect before? If you wish, Chris, yes. Um, I'll set you up by just saying, everybody, that um, Natalie, our good friend Natalie, who went with us, um, she's the originator of playing Mass Effect 3 in our trio, so to say. Um, I followed her not too far behind that. Um, I'd been playing Bioshock. We'd been having a joke back and forth. Oh, Bioshock! I'm saying Bioshock's better. Mass Effect's better. She's saying Mass Effect's better. So on and so forth. She said she would try Bioshock. I would try Mass Effect. That's where I got into Mass Effect. But Chris is always kind of left out in the cold because Natalie's getting Mass Effect T-shirts. I'm getting Mass Effect T-shirts. I'm getting lithographs. It's fair to say me and Natalie are pretty immersed in terms of Mass Effect. And Chris did indeed have like Mass Effect 2 and all, but traded them in because he didn't play them or anything like that. So, along came Game Fest, and me and Natalie are like, yep, we want to go play Mass Effect 3 first. Yep, it definitely has to be the first. And so off we went, and Chris came with us. And I hand over to Chris. Um, yeah, as Alan has just uh, said there, that um, I've never been the biggest Mass Effect lover. Um, I've had maybe the first or the second one and never played it or played it briefly and thought it's not really for me. It was only whenever I played the third one, and this is the game that actually ties with Mario Kart for the one that I've played the most. So a game that I haven't really played the first two of before, but I've played this. And actually, might I add that I didn't die the three times I played it, I actually managed to complete the demo, um, which went on for about five minutes. Um, so yeah, I went, uh, played that there, really enjoyed it, and thought I need to go and play the first ones. Uh, bought the first one in uh, the actual game store that was at Game Fest, um, which was good. Um, we actually met a very good uh, DDM, Lee, um, who was there, told us some retro stories, which we'll save for another day. Um, but I really enjoy playing the third one, so I'm actually about three odd hours, three and a half hours, maybe, into the first Mass Effect, and really enjoying it. Uh, second one on its way, picked it up from Amazon for six quid second hand, which I thought wasn't bad, considering work we sell for double the price. Um, so yeah, so needless to say, now I've been converted, so Natalie has been converted as well to something else, which we'll touch on later on. Um, but no, I really enjoyed playing it. Um, it didn't take me long to figure out what button did what, and uh, enjoyed the storyline of it. 
um, obviously in the first ones you have, you know, like very much like the Knights of the Republic and all that kind of stuff, you know, the answers you give determine the outcome of your game and, and enjoy that kind of thing, but uh, no, I was pleasantly surprised with it and I have until March uh, to complete the first two. So you have plenty of time, yeah. plenty of time. Um, but yes, uh, coming from me, the sort of longer term Mass Effect fan now, I absolutely enjoyed this. It was really, really good. If you've enjoyed Mass Effect before this, you know, Mass Effect 1, Mass Effect 2, it is, again, just that wee step extra that is just makes all the difference with this game. They still have the perfect conversations, the big role-playing part of it that you want, um, but they have really stepped up, and I think it's a good move for Mass Effect, is they've really stepped up the combat. Um... It does not take away in any means from what you've expected from previous Mass Effect games. Uh, they're just trying to capture a bit of a wider audience that, you know, your typical sort of let's go back, you know, play Call of Duty all day, 24-7 for nine months of the year mm-hmm. um, sort of guys. They're just trying to capture a wee tiny part of that audience that may at all get interested by the fact that their combat system has been changed around, a bit improved, and a bit more focused has been put on it. The one thing I must say I uh, noticed with Mass Effect 3 was that when you're actually in a gunfight now, you can the weapons really feel like they have a hell of a kick to them, whereas in previous games, you know, they'd make their sort of gunny noises, and you'd be like, oh yeah, I fired a gun. Whereas now they've got a really good like thud behind them, so it sounds like they're really, really powerful weapons graphics, like Chris will tell you here, he's obviously playing through Mass Effect 1 the graphics in comparison to 3 oh, big jump uh, with everything, you know, like it's a big jump graphically wise because you have to move with the times and obviously and the longer think, it's all Xbox 360 so the CD improvement and the development yeah, but as I was, was going to yeah. say um, th- obviously whenever you start with the Xbox you know, like uh, you're very limited what you could do and then the more people develop the more it kind of opens up yep. you know it's very much like in the world of cinema you know like you've got these movies but then you know like somebody comes along and goes like here you can do that you can do this you can do that and you can do this and you're yep. like oh absolutely definitely um, and another thing I must say is these were other guys that were really really cool people to talk to because um, and I swear everybody I never asked him his name but uh, the guy that was manning the Mass Effect area of EA stand um, I spoke to because on the second day on the Sunday again I rushed to play Mass Effect first thing in the morning because Mass Effect on both days that we were there started off very 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 slow mm-hmm, very quiet because it was in the it was corner in a corner and there was nothing really to say this is Mass Effect yeah because on our first day it was actually this guy that I'm about to mention saw Natalie's N7 shirt and was like Mass Effect in here come on um, and then the line would just get and see him mm-hmm. throughout the day um, his name uh, the girls I heard over overheard the girls saying his name and it's obviously nickname is Fozzie so like Fozzie Bear um, I had a chat with him on the Sunday um, morning um, just a casual chat nowhere that it would have been really a point of having an interview because it's still so far away from launch he couldn't have told me a lot of information about the game so it wouldn't have been worth recording but he was a really really nice guy I talked to him while having I'd arrived earlier 
played through the demo and then Natalie and Chris had arrived shortly after so they were playing the demo while I was talking to him really really nice guy he gave us a few t-shirts at the in the first day and we got more t-shirts in the second day so really really nice guy um it's fair to say he was the more clued in with a lot of the stuff in comparison one of the girls didn't really understand some of my terminology yeah oh, she uh, said she didn't play games so yes, it's kind so of like why whereas he was very switched on and clued in and then we find some people he actually took business cards and said like I want shout out yeah exactly exactly we uh, met quite a few people when we were at game fest obviously um, and Mass Effect was one of those places. So, if you just give me a wee second, I have to find the list of names because there was quite a Basically, few. the reason why we did that was because he brought out his name badge. He worked in a game store and we said that we worked in the, the Newton Art Store in Northern Ireland. And to which some guy went, oh, are you enjoying your time over here? We're from Northern Ireland. So, you know, like, if you are going to try and insult us, do it right, okay? So, Northern Ireland is not... Or do your knees in. Yeah, exactly. That sort so, of a thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yes, I have to give a shout-out. It is Preston. I'm assuming it is Store 30. I haven't done much research in the store because the title of the email was Preston030 shout-out. Um, so, Preston Store 30, I'm assuming. Um, this is for... Hello, guys. Yes, hello. This is for Ram, Dan, Sam... And I'm not. The last name doesn't rhyme. Everybody. Uh, <laughs> name is Alex. So yes, it is indeed. Battle armor, he man Um Pleasure to meet you all. I hope you've had a really, really fun time. Battle armor, he man fell. Show. Yes, I know your he man fell because I felt it hit my bloody shoulder. <laughs> and look, he's dead. There we go. He can sit there. So yes, guys. Pleasure to meet you. Hope you had a good time. <clears throat> so we move on from Mass Effect and Need for Speed the Run. Um, yeah, we'll get Need for Speed the Run out of the way. Right, everybody. <clears throat> Alan semi rant mode. Engage. I don't think I know about this rant. Yous weren't with me. I'm trying I know you were there trying to get somebody to do with not lays dogs. Yes. Yes. Yous were doing something else. I cannot remember what. But. I decided I'll take a wee dander up, see if I can speak to the guy who'd been at Battlefield earlier in the day at uh, Need for Speed the Run, and I decided that um, I'll take a few wee distance shots of the Need for Speed booth. wasn't extremely interested in taking any shots off their screens or mm. anything like that. Um, but yes, at distance, uh, some... What whoever was on their stand, a woman, uh, said, Oh, you're not allowed to take any pictures. And I was like, I'm not aiming at your screens, I'm just taking a general shot off your booth. Because there was like four seats one side, four seats the other, like, and then there'd be eight people playing the game. I just said, I'm just taking a shot off the seats, I'm not taking a picture of your screens. Oh, you can't take any pictures. And not to sound cocky everybody or anything but I basically just lifted my lanyard and just kind of raised up my press pass to her face not right in her face but <laughs> just so she can clearly see that I was press and she was like yeah that doesn't make any difference and I just turned around to her and basically she was actually quite aggressive I must say everybody and I was staying reasonably calm 
I just turned around here and I says, right, so you're saying to me, I can't take any pictures of this area, of this game or anything like that, yet the boys over there at Activision in Call of Duty have let me take a 30 second video sweeping shot off their area, <laughs> off their game, and as many pictures as I wish. And you're not letting me take a picture of Need for Speed. And she says, yeah, no pictures. So what I did is I just dandered around the other side and took loads of pictures off your screens. So ha, my dear, calm yourself. You are only an attendant at an EA booth. You are not a big name. I'm sorry, but I need to get that out of my system. <laughs> um, needless to say, I shall now focus on the game itself. Uh, Need for Speed looked really, really good. It's uh, running a new engine and all that sort of stuff. Not to be fantastic there or anything like that. Um, it really graphically looks pretty good. Um, and it will probably be, again, one I shall pick up in due course. Moving on from that, you had FIFA 12. Again, this was another one that was out pretty much... Yeah, it's near enough coming out, but it's a kind of a case of... It's again, it's one they knew they would get interest from, so they stuck it on the booth nonetheless. Uh, it looked good. It was quite popular. They were doing like quite, you know, like competition EBS tournaments and all that. Oh, it's a stupid annoying woman doing commentary. <laughs> oh, Manchester <laughs> City have beaten Manchester United 3-1. You're like, oh, shut up, love. Nobody cares. <laughs> um... You had, this was one of Luke's favourites, was Star Wars The Old Republic. Didn't get a chance to play this. This was all reasonably, this was always reasonably busy, but not crazily busy. I looked at it and I went, oh, keyboard mouse, now I'm not going to. Yeah, it's PC gaming isn't my forte or anything like that. Um, So again, that was maybe why I wasn't too interested in it. Um, It still did look pretty good. They had a nice wee setup. They had a cool statue of one of the Sith characters from the game and all. Mm-hmm. So they did. It was kind of think of it kind of semi Darth Vader like in the sense of, but he doesn't have a mask on and he kind of just has the breathing apparatus on yeah. his face. Um, that's kind of where the inspiration's been drawn for that character. Um, but yeah, it looked pretty cool. Um, finally, for EA, you have the big dog for them, uh, the combatter to Call of Duty. You have Battlefield Three. Right, so, we mentioned at the start of the show, when we were talking about Activision, the queue for Modern Warfare 3, mm-hmm. which was, Chris, how long? Uh, two and a half hours or something? Two and a half hours, yes. At certain points of the day, for Battlefield, it was at four hours, and more. And they actually went up to people and said, once they got to a certain point, they actually said, right, from here downwards, sorry, that's it. You're not, you'll not be able to play the game so yeah. they may have been standing there for two hours maybe more and then they're not able to play the game yeah. which uh, I overheard somebody saying whenever they were queuing for Batman and said like oh well at least they've apologised whereas I don't think the people at EA did yeah. which kind of makes sense if Alan saying that the woman to do with the need for speed was quite snooty towards Alan yeah. so um, but stand there, uh, stand a lot there. of the other people I talked to especially around the battlefield thing and uh, the other guy I'd been looking for at Need for Speed booth and all in terms of the dog tags they were giving away were really, really nice people. So they were, um, it's maybe just one or two of the staff maybe didn't want to be there, I'm not 100% sure, or didn't know how to deal with crowd control or uh, public relations. 
Um, but yes, um, me and Natalie uh, got to sneak in and have a wee go at Battlefield 3, skipping out the 4-hour queue um, towards the end of Sunday. Um, pretty good wee game. Um, Natalie's opinion of it was it was pretty good, but she would still probably give the edge. Is this whenever I was queuing for Resi? Yes, that was yeah. when you were queuing for Resi, and we just said we'll nip it off and come back and see you. Um, and we were going to check the dog tags, and at the same time we went and then played Battlefield itself. Um, the edge still probably would just go to Call of Duty. Graphically, Battlefield is very, very nice, though. I will give it that. And breathe. Moving on. Uh, we have THQ. We'll only talk about THQ very, very quickly. Um, they had Saints Row the Third, really, really cool setup. Uh, it was kind of like a nightclub. They had a bouncer in the door. Me and Natalie went there on the Saturday, and got a free bottle of water called Saints Flow. Haha, <laughs> see what they did there. Um, but pretty good gameplay. If you've played Saints Row Two, you know what to expect. It's kind of like Grand Theft Auto's kind of cousin, so to say. Yeah. Um, it's, I heard a lot of people saying that's what Grand Theft Auto Four should have been. Um, THQ oh, wow. also had Udraw, which um, there's a bit of a dirty story behind that. If he, you're he at drew, all, he drew him in the penis. There we go. I wasn't going to mention it, but Chris just whispered it. So if you can find the slow dialogue of Chris saying that, you will know what it is. He drew him in the penis. Okay, fair enough. He said it again. <laughs> uh, WWE 12 was there also. I was not impressed with WWE 12 one tiny bit. Yeah, because uh, were we able to bunk the queue? Um, Alan said as well, okay, uh, he plays with me, he's pressed as well. I really just want to keep it to one, so I kind of stood there and watched Alan. I watched the intros, um, which the didn't look very... The were very lacklustre. The, I played as The Miz, the other guy played as CM Punk. Um, they got CM Punk's music right from what I could hear. Yeah, they had Cult of Personality for CM Punk, which is pretty good because it's something THQ tends to miss out. Yeah. Is once it's past the cutoff point, you're done, you're dusted, you're gone. Um, but to be fair, <sighs> the entrances were lackluster. There didn't seem like there was a much effort put in it. Gameplay was a bit confusing. I wasn't told the controls or anything like that. Um, I actually just went outside and stood with Natalie yeah. and talked to Natalie and because it wasn't very interesting to be like honest you saw me when I came out I was just like yeah yeah it wasn't impressive um, obviously by the time you know like if uh, if and when we get our review copy from THQ things may change you know um, it's still a couple of it, you know like it's one of the last games to come out this year one of the big games to come out this year so it was maybe a case of as well I was wasn't you know, I wanted to play it with Chris because, again, he was somebody I knew, and I know we could have had a bit of banter back and forth and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Whereas I was playing with someone I didn't know, and it was a case of they, I was at least I, was, I was trying to talk to them and have a joke and a laugh yeah. and say, "Oh, that's uh, you know, blah blah blah," and then they were staying quiet. And at I, least, in all fairness, you picked a good character rather than picking like Cena or something. Yes, exactly. and I did say, "Alan, if you pick Zack Ryder, I'll kick you." Zack Ryder wasn't available to pick those. Oh, was he not? Well, he was on the screen. He had a set number of characters for you to pick them, so uh, you were safe there. Moving on quickly, um, Codemasters was there. Their only game was there was F1 2011, which again was out about two weeks after uh, Game Fest. You'll hear an interview that Alan did um, with them just at the end. Um, Well, sorry, that is if you can hear, because there was a just an F1 wailing about the place. So you hear the interview from that... uh, Guy prototype as well, and the one we've yet to discuss. Yep. But F1 2011, the setup was very good, very, uh, very, very crisp, clean, 
very F1 style. They have an F1 car sitting beside it, but there was the setup for itself. It was only one screen, one thing. So that's you know the queue took a while for people. Um, I didn't sit down and play it because I was like, it's out in a week's time. I'll just play it on my own. I'll play it at my house, all that sort of thing. But the setup was really cool because they actually had a seat and it was hooked in the hydraulics and it would move about like it was an F1 car. So that was nice. Uh, jumping on now to our final, final stop. And probably one of her favourites. Mm-hmm. It is Capcom. And everybody out there listening in podcast land is probably going, Capcom? Why has this been held Oh, on? those guys are Street Fighter fans, that's why. You know, it's like, oh, you've already spoke about EA, you've already spoke about, you know, talked about PlayStation, Xbox, Activision, Nintendo. What's going on? Why is Capcom last? Well, yes, there was a couple of games here we had zero little interest in. You had Azura's Wrath, you had Dead Rising 2 off the record, which is pretty much Dead Rising 2 Game of the Year edition. You had Dragon's Dogma, and it's just like, no. With not much of an interest in those. These other two, though, however, we were quite interested in. The first one we all mentioned is, yes, as Chris hinted to, Street Fighter versus Tekken. Mm-hmm. So, so, Chris is very much the fighting game expert, so I will hand it over to him for his wee opinion of Street Fighter. Um, obviously, you'll, you may or may not be aware that Street Fighter is done by Capcom and Tekken is done by Namco. So this is like a crossover, so they get the feel of it. They're, this is Street Fighter versus Tekken, so it's done in the very much the Street Fighter vein. Very animated, very, um, you know, like... Um, very far-fetched, that kind of thing. And then, obviously, there's going to be Tekken versus Street Fighter, which will be using the Tekken engine and be done, you know, like that kind of thing. Not, like, cartoony, like Street Fighter is. <clears throat> very good game, the fact that... Um, but in the sense that I played Dylan and I picked Ryu and Ken and he picked two Tekken characters. <laughs> no Paul Phoenix, might I add, which I was disgusted with because uh, having Ryu and Paul Phoenix would be brilliant to have because... I quite enjoy playing as Paul Phoenix and Tekken. Um, so yeah, really, really good game. Um, Natalie pre- would have preferred to play Tekken versus Street mm-hmm. Fighter because she's more a Tekken fan she's than Street Fighter. But then I've used, I've been used to the Street Fighter engine, been used to Marvel vs. Capcom, which kind of incorporates the Street Fighter engine and all that kind of stuff. So very good game. Um, I could hold my hands up and say that I was undefeated with my friends. I must say, though, I gave Chris quite a good showing for myself. I'm usually hit and miss when it comes to these games, and that's not a pun. Um, I'll either do reasonably okay and still take an absolute beating, or just completely get annihilated. I gave quite a good showing to Chris, because Chris is the fighting expert, and I'm not begging myself up, but I say fair play to Chris, he did very well that weekend. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, Street Fighter was really, really enjoyable, so it was um, really, really good. But, that wasn't the standout thing from Capcom for us. This next game, ooh, was a nice, nice, nice surprise. It was probably, obviously, after playing Mass Effect, Chris got you know, really interested in Mass Effect as we mentioned, and really excited for that. This game I think it was for weeks in the run up to Game Fest, Chris was like, can't wait to play it can't wait to play it, can't wait to play it for both this and Revelations it is of course Resident Evil Operation Raccoon City, so I'm just gonna shut my mouth for a little minute 
and let Chris talk about this. Well, obviously, as Alan was said earlier on, that the first game we went to play was Mass Effect, so we didn't really have the cue there for to play that. Um, but I was getting the sense that once we'd actually played like a game that Alan or Natalie wanted to play, it was kind of a case, right, Chris, what do you want to do? I want to go play Resident Evil. Right, okay. So uh, we didn't really have the cue for that long. As I put my microphone back down. Uh, sorry, I was blowing my nose. Uh, first time, didn't really have to queue that much. Yeah. Second time, we did. Yeah. Um, they had four screens, so it was all co-op. So if you're... F- um, there is a guy, um, Adam, the UK PR manager, uh, interview with him just at the end of the show. Um, just That's where all the interviews will be, so listen to that there. Very good interview. Um, touch on the release date, touch on Resident Evil 6, that kind of stuff. Um, very good in the sense that it's very much like if you've played Socom, it's done by the same guys who've done that. Um, so it is team-based. You have four players, play four-player co-op. So there is the opportunity there to do the LAN thing, or you can play four players online, I would imagine, as well. Or very much in the same kind of vein as um, Left 4 Dead, if you think of it that way. Uh, but this... I uh, don't want to spoil too much from the interview, but just listen to that there. It's a different take on the Resident Evil yeah. series. But it's very, very good. But it's good very, take. very good. Um, Alan and I both can say that we crashed this. Yep. Um, the first time I went to use my Medipack and press it down on the D-pad, and uh, yeah, uh, it crashed. And I was busy um, meleeing at zombies with my knife, and it just went... Burr! So uh, they're very good in the sense that it crashed. They said, "Right, just wait there, and then you yeah. can have the next go." Alan did it as well. Um, so it actually set it up very well because when mine crashed, it basically meant I had to wait for everybody else to finish. I stayed on and gave Chris time to go and talk to the PR guy, which was yeah, perfect. Yeah, was. Um, but this for me was my game that I wanted to play, and yeah. I was not this. In fact, this beat all my expectations. Uh-huh. I came out of this so much that. This was the, as you'll hear in the interview, that this was the only game that I queued for. Mostly yeah. I queued for um, Batman with Dylan, I queued for a bit of Mass Effect with Dylan as well. But this is the only one that I queued by myself while Natalie and Alan went to play Battlefield and went to get their dogs. We did, we did come back to him. They did come back, but I had fairly moved. Basically, I was at the corner a and I had moved queue. round, and by the time they came back, it was kind of, I really need to go to the toilet. So I had to go for a wee and then he came back. He was lucky we came back, in other you words. Know, went for that there, but um, just an absolutely fantastic game. I th- actually thought it was out because whenever I saw the trailer, it said this winter. Yep. It's actually, as you'll hear in the interview, there's no confirmed date, so it could be next yep. year, which is a bit of a And in the interview, you may hear something about Resident Evil 6, and I won't tell you what the answer may be. Yeah. But, um, um, but before... We round up. Yeah, this has actually been a longer episode than I thought it would be. Yeah, it has been a lot longer episode than I thought. I think it's time to decide who gets our best game and show. You go first. Right. There'll be a personal one for me. There'll be a personal one from Chris. And then I think we'll do a kind of retro shock wide one as in when we weigh everything up we put personal bias aside Mm -hmm. this really was the standout game for us at the show for me that Mass Effect just edges it so because I 
was a huge Mass Effect fan, so coming into this, I really wanted to see it. I really, really enjoyed it. But there was about two others that were just, you know, grabbing on by their fingernails that could have just edged it. One of which I'm probably guessing Chris will mention. Yeah, Resident Evil Operation Raccoon yeah. City would be it for me, yeah. without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. Resident Evil Revelations would be the would be if I was to pick one console, one handheld, that would be it. Yeah. Um, but Resident Evil um, Operation Raccoon City for me was one that I was excited to play, and once I played it, I didn't come away thinking, "Oh my God, that was terrible." I came out thinking, "I want that game now." Um, Mass Effect 3 would also rank up there yeah. um, for one that I thought I just sat down and played because these two guys were playing and I thought oh, well I might as well have a go at it and I actually really enjoyed it yeah. um, so that's actually one that I've won mm-hmm. back and played since Resident Evil Operation Raccoon City obviously very smart yep. released Resident Evil 4 HD on Marketplace and yep. then this week is Resident Evil uh, Code Veronica mm-hmm. and then obviously on the 3DS we get The Legend of Zelda Four Swords Adventure for yep. free as well so. Um, so if we were to do a show wide one mm-hmm. and we discussed this uh, over lunch on the second day and I actually went up to the guy and said it to him after I was done that he'd got our game of the show was Resident Evil. Oh, did he, yeah. oh you said that yeah. to him? And oh, what did he say? I said to him, um, now guys, we're not just talking about they got game of the show, it isn't just for the gameplay or that sort of thing. It was the all-round of experience for the stand, for the people we talked to, all that sort of thing. Resident Evil, Operation Raccoon City gets Operation Rattershock's game off the show simply because it was sort of understated, they weren't trying to be Flash or anything like that it was just part of the Capcom stand but it was a very very good game the PR guy Chris spoke to was great, the guy on the stand was great and Mm -hmm. again remembered us the previous day had a laugh with us and again like Chris said when our machine broke down he was like honestly don't worry I'm not going to rush you off the machine let me restart it and you'll get another go at it Mm -hmm. so yep definitely Resident Evil Operation Raccoon City gets Operation Retroshock seal of approval as best game and show at GameFest 2011 but we have a second award and this it isn't best certain category or anything like that but, and I think Chris will probably agree with me, it is the Operation Retroshock special mention you know, award for the show, and that is to the Prototype 2 guys. By a country mile. Um, the only person that would l- literally come close to that um, would probably be either the guys at Capcom or the um, the team at Rocksteady to do Batman. Yeah. But these guys were so accommodating. Whenever I asked for an interview, nothing was too much trouble. You know, like talk to me, like he, you know, like um, like we'd met each other, yeah. you know, a couple of days yep. prior. Was so outgoing, was so accommodating. Um, just basically said, you know, like you have my business card, don't you? Drop me an email. He actually said to us as well that um, we have T-shirts in the office. If you email me, I'll send some out to you. Yep. Um, so very very accommodating um, yeah we would say that um, 
best of luck to those guys because yeah. it's out April time so obviously you have Mass Effect in March you have that in April um, big so, start to the year yeah so uh, and again um, these two interviews will be at the end of the show but give these guys a listen um, make sure you follow them um, their games you know uh, play some of the older Resident Evils play uh, Prototype 1 you know that kind of thing but yeah um Basically, just thank you to all the people we met, you know, like them, like Luke, like Dylan, that we'd, you know, talking to on Twitter, or, you know, I've talked to Dylan numerous times in Chronicles, but to actually stand next to Dylan and talk to him about Masters, or talk to him about Batman, or whatever, you know, like, was, and, you know, like, a major thanks goes to Dylan for one of the reasons why he came down was the fact yep. that we were meeting him. You know, I thought we were going to Birmingham and... Game you know, Fest was just a nice yeah. side thing for yeah, him. Exactly. And it turned out to be just a good addition to the yeah. weekend. Yeah, so, you know, it's kind of a case of memories were made and friendships were, you know, yeah, etched in stone. But, um, no, uh, um, if it's something that you're looking to do next year, um, you know, just make sure you... Just make sure that you have your patient hat on. Obviously, we don't know what games will be coming out this time next year, but um, no doubt Luke will keep you updated with that there at Games yeah, Story on Twitter. But that's basically us, isn't it? Yep, and we shall just give you a little tease as to what is coming up in our next show. And fingers crossed this actually is our next show, because I do apologise, everybody. We have been saying this has been coming for like the last three or four weeks now. Yeah. Um, to be actually honest I think we have been teasing the fact that uh, we were going to do this subject for j- since just after Christmas time but we have had it recorded for a wee while it is of course um, our next episodes will be uh, with Ryan Porter and that is the Rocky movies we'll be having two episodes Rocky 1 through 3 being in the first Rocky 4 through 6 being in the second show um, don't worry, you won't have to wait two weeks between each of those episodes. It's unfair, we're doing exactly as we did with our Star Wars episodes with Pixel Dan and Rob Bass. They will be out in back-to-back weeks. And obviously after that we have the Thunderbird special Shane Rimmer interview. Uh, and we also um, have confirmed that Townsend Col- Coleman, the voice of Michelangelo from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, awesome. will be appearing on Operation Retroshock. We are reviewing him the third Sunday, I believe, in October. So that may be a November special. We still have a Mario special that we've got the questions all for and that there um, sorted as well. We just need to um, sort it out. Obviously with WrestleShock, big thanks go to the Jack Field um, at uh, Frank PR for sending us our um, copies of certain wrestling DVDs. There will be a, a WRS reviews, I think it's safe to say. Yeah, WrestleShock yep. reviews, yeah. Yeah, so we will be doing that. Um, that will be something that obviously we have to watch DVDs first. We're just back from a trip. Um, big hectic um, release schedules and work. Uh, we're trying to crank these out as quickly as we can because we're so, you know, um, bombarded with work. You know, Gears of War was last week, FIFA's this week. And like then it's week. the craziness of October time. Basically, just every We've Friday. Is coming. A, basically, every Friday after that is a big release. Because so. it's like October, you have Battlefield at the end of it, you have Assassin's Creed, you have Call of Duty. You have all of these big Forza Motorsport, Uncharted. Yeah, yeah. All these in October, November, 
so we are going to be jam-packed. We shall do our very, very best to keep these things flowing. If it's a fortnightly thing again, I know we said we try to keep us doing this on a weekly basis. There will be chronicles, commentaries. Still will get chronicles. Still will get chronicles. We will do our best to keep this going on a weekly basis if we can. It'll probably have to be fortnightly again. We do apologise. We know you've got used to over most of the summer they're having it on a weekly basis. But sadly, unlike last year where we could continue to do this at a good flow, this year's Christmas is just going to be mental. Yep. So... We shall go have a lie down, because it's been an extremely, extremely long episode. We did not think it was going to go this long, but we are kind of happy it has. Because, because you haven't had a long episode for quite some time. Yes, um, so we hope you've enjoyed this. We hope it has whetted your appetite to maybe attend a games conference in your area, if there's ever going to be one this year, or even next year. Or make you fancy going to GameFest in 2012. You never know. Oh, what you can do is, for us folks, just very, very quickly... Email Vinto Man at popculturenetwork.com, Alan Price at popculturenetwork.com, that's A-L-L-A-N. We've also covered the big games that are coming out this year, what's on the top of your Christmas want list, what's in the top of your shopping list, is there any games we've missed that we should have bigged up more that you're a fan of, whether it be Ridge Racer Unbounded, uh, Tekken Hybrid, Ico, Shadow of the Colossus, uh, Lego Harry Potter, let us know. Um, and one final thing before we go can I just say a thank you to Jessica and Emily at uh, Red Consultancy for helping us with our time at the event the girls in the actual arena itself were very good they were accommodating offering us cups of tea and water and all before we went out asked if we have any questions or anything like that that was great um, so thank you to them um, really good at shop uh, shop Pop, uh, pop Culture Network store yes. or shop.pcn whatever it is I can't remember it's ten past eleven I've been up since I've been up for twelve hours I've been working and then I've seen Alan's face for like all day God, so. God help him I know I need about to that. 45 minutes he'd have seen me for twelve hours pretty much straight so yes God love him um, so we shall sign off here I am Alan Price I'm Chris Vent and hey yo you know next time we'll be talking about Rocky Balboa with the Italian styling oh no right, Italian styling Rocky Balboa but hey yo Ryan we did it see you later everybody here there's something wrong with your eye what you got the eye of the tiger there ha ha here we go bye <laughs> Shepard warned us they were coming but we didn't listen fate of our world, of every world, rests in his hands. plan to stop them. We fight or we die. That's the point.
from Operation Retroshock here with Paul, the brand manager from Codemasters for Formula 1 2011. Um, Paul, what, you know, could you give us a wee summary about the game itself? Yeah, well, obviously we had F1 2010 that came out last year, which got uh, incredible reviews. What we've tried to do with F1 2011 is build on that, and, you know, as well as bringing all the new things for the season, the biggest focus for F1 2011 is the multiplayer modes. So we've got split screen in there, you can play at home with your friends or family. Uh, we have Co-op Championship where you can go online, one of you can perhaps choose to be Jensen Button, one of you can be Lewis Hamilton, together you can take McLaren to the championship. Uh, last year we had 12 car grids online. In F1 2011 you got 24 car grids which are made up of 16 player cars and 8 AI. So there's a whole level of kind of multiplayer. What we're inviting people to do is to go compete with the game. But I'd say in addition to that, we've made massive leaps forward in the handling, in the AI. We've added in a lot of new things for the season, so that like the curves, the power bid system, the DRS, which stalls your rear wing and gives you extra speed along the straights. So really it takes a fantastic game that we had last year and, you know, gives it a massive, massive uh, move forward. Cool. Uh, and how does the stack up, do you think, you know, in comparison to the competitors that likes to the Forza Motorsports? Well, I think for Formula One games always going to be a relatively unique property just because it is based on Formula One as a sport. You know, we look at games like Forza and GT5 and we respect what they do and they're obviously, um, you know, authentic and realistic. And that's what we try and do with, um, with Formula One. Cool. Cool. Um, and... How do you think it's going to stack up here in quarter four? I mean, in terms of um, sales, so last year we did two and a half million units globally, which makes it the biggest game Codemasters ever done and the biggest Formula One title ever. So we'd like to see that take a, a step forward this year. Finally, um, what, do you, what have you been thinking of Game Fest? Game Fest is brilliant, just to get so many enthusiastic uh, people to come along. I mean, people are queuing for hours and hours to get uh, get their hands on these games, but when they when they get out of the chair, they're smiling and it's all been worthwhile. Cool, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Ten years ago, Halo changed the way we play video games. Ten years ago, Halo introduced millions of fans to an incredible new universe and delivered billions of hours of entertainment. That was 10 years ago. This is now. The campaign of the decade, remade and remastered. Combined with classic multiplayer maps, enhanced and updated for Xbox Live. A fully remastered campaign. Co-op over Xbox Live. And seven of the greatest multiplayer maps of all time. Halo, it's finished. No, I think we're just getting started. Halo Combat Evolved Anniversary.
returned from the war overseas. I had lost... everything. I battled my way into the heart of the Red Zone, taking out hundreds of them. Truth is, I went there to die. But someone had other plans. Then I discovered the truth. My name is Sergeant James Heller, and I will destroy Alex Mercer. Chris Ventier, Operation Rapper Shock, and I'm standing beside... Dave Fracchia, Studio Vice President at Radical Entertainment. Yes, so we've just been witnessing Prototype 2 coming out 24th of April 2012. What makes this different from the first prototype? Well, there are some things that are obviously the same in the sense that we're still making that great over-the-top open-world action game, but we pushed it a lot farther in several areas. Uh, one, we have a new protagonist, and of course we're pitting story-wise Mercer against Heller, so it's protagonist against you know, a prototype against prototype, which is fantastic. Brand new open world. We've rewritten our graphics engine, much, much higher fidelity. We also have three very, very distinct zones. And also, we've improved the combat and even the non-combat elements. So we've improved our stealth uh, gameplay as well. And as you saw, our combat gameplay has been improved in terms of, you know, more and different powers, as well as some of the powers everyone loved from the first game. And also the strategy behind how those powers are used, whether you use an area of attack or a directional, and also how the enemies actually respond to those powers, some having more impact than others. You know, and that's still, for me, scratching the surface of it. So I like to think that we've gone from making a great, you know, over-the-top action game to really making the over-the-top open-world action game. And you said before you showed us that, that this is like a beta thing and you expected things to go wrong. For me, it looked like there was nothing that went wrong. So were you impressed with how quickly and how good that actually looks such early in development? Yeah, you know, from we, we've been around for 20 years now. In fact, this year was our 20th anniversary at Radical. So, you know, we've really honed the way we've managed projects. We've you know, we have uh, groups that really work incredibly well together, and we try to be as disciplined as we can, yet as creative as we can in pushing those bounds. And in fact, there really is that battle between, not battle, but that, that creative versus management schedule budget that we really, really go back and forth on incredibly well. So it is the staff and the people that make it work. Now, also, I'd like to think it's our, uh, our technology as well that we've built over the last 20 years. And this is now the second revision of our Titanium engine. So we learned a lot from the first game. So, you know, I like to think that we always push ourselves that much further. So we are hard on ourselves, and you saw it. It's a pre-alpha build, but yet we have now run it over multiple, multiple hours. And i got to knock on wood, we haven't had a single crash. You know, there are, I, I see bugs, you know, in pre-alpha See, if it crashes, you'll blame me. No, I'm going to crash <laughs> Because you now brought it up. I, I mean, I'm going to go over knock on wood quickly. <laughs> <laughs> 
So obviously, as we've said, it's out the 24th of April 2012. Um, what would be, if you, people were to play the first one, what would be the main reason for them to play the first one and bring up the second one? Would it be the storyline or would it be to see how far you've come from the first one itself? Well, interesting, it's going to be, every individual is going to have their own reason why they'd want to play it. But I, obviously, if you love the first game, yeah. you're going to really love this one. I think if there were issues you may have had or you may have wanted more for the first game, there is definitely more in this one. So, you know, I challenge everyone to try it out for themselves, but I believe you're going to see many, many people gravitate towards it. And in fact, if they haven't, they're going to want to play the first game as well. And that's what we're receiving this feedback from the fans. Yeah, yeah. That's what I find with a lot of like the Resident Evil Raccoon City who want to play first Resident Evil, so they're like watching this. I really want to go home whenever I get home to Northern Ireland, play Prototype and play the first one because of the anticipation with this. So you've got one last sentence, sell prototype, why should people pre-order this? You know, I'll say it for me, one of the main reasons I really enjoy it. For me, it's a great kind of cathartic game. You know, if you have a bad day at work, if you had a crappy traffic, and I know what traffic would be like even in Birmingham, you know, you come home and you have that power fantasy, the desire to be someone even stronger and go in there and cathartically play around in the world. Uh, I have to say, for me, it is the story. I love the new protagonist. I love the sandbox elements. But I also love the missions of the power. So for me, it's an all-around package that's come together. And last question, how are you enjoying GameFest, and will you be back next year in some way, shape, or form? Uh, I think GameFest is fantastic. For its first run with consumers, it's, it's packed out there. And we've had full audiences every one of our presentations. So, you know, for us, it's going to depend, obviously, on whether we have a game to show yeah. at the time. But I want to come here back every time. So I want to come back here every time. I will find my English words. <laughs> I want to come back here every time we possibly can. It's been fantastic. Okay. Well, thank you very much for your time and the best of luck for Prototype. Looking forward to, as we said, 24th of April. So thank you very much. And thank you very much. Finally, there's only one man that can captivate the world. After seven long
to know the true terror of our bioorganic weapons. We're sending in a BOW to contain the situation. It won't discriminate. The turret's out of control. Eat this, you freak! Chris Vent here, Operation Retroshock, and I'm standing beside... Uh, Adam Merritt from Capcom. Um, I'm the uh, UK uh, PR manager. Um, and yeah, here to talk a bit about Resident Evil Operation Raccoon City. Yes, yes. Uh, Resident Evil, as you can see from my watch here, uh, one, of my uh, one of my favourite games, so playing this here was a huge thrill for me. Um, what makes this Resident Evil different from the other Resident Evils? Well, this is... Uh, it's taken a different slant, you know. This is a, a branch off of the normal Resident Evil um, storyline. So Slant 6, who obviously are famous for doing the uh, Sockham series, um, they've decided to take control. And as you can see from playing it, it's very much similar. But it's got the twist of uh, survival horror, you know. So all your favourite characters are back in there. Um, and the difference is, you know, you're playing as Umbrella. So you're hunting after stars. It's a completely different kind of uh, slant. But with all the zombies, as well as human enemies, um, and the liquors, and famous Resident Evil characters, um, it's going to you know, it's survival horror, um, but with more kind of... So there is other different elements in it, like um, I noticed that whenever there, you bleed, that the controller starts vibrating, and then the zombies actually hunger for you. Yeah. But um, the guy was saying as well that you can actually turn on your teammates and stuff, if you want to explain a bit more about that. Um, at the moment, from the bills and information we've got, don't know any more on that, I'm afraid. Though, however, as you can see, when you get infected, um, you turn into a zombie. Yeah. So effectively, as a team, you need to be in control and make sure that you see what can happen. So if you know your teammate's been bitten, you need to be aware of that and try and uh, treat him, because if not, he's going to be eating you. Okay. Um, also, with Resident Evil, um, when do you expect this to come out? Is it um, confirmed for November time? It's, or? it's not been confirmed yet. Um, it's probably looking at um, early next year but there's no actual 100% confirmation of, of when. Um, and obviously with you being here at GameFest, what's the experience been like for yourself and for Capcom in general as well? Uh, as in for the title, just generally? Just generally, you know, like uh, you find that Resident Evil is the more, the most... Been, it's been an eye-opener, you know, actually. It, it's, good to, it's good to come back and see consumers because I think sometimes when, you, when, you, when, you, when you're working in an office and stuff, you oversee things and you overlook things. Yeah. It's nice to come back down and speak to the consumers, see what you know, see what they're enjoying, see what they're not. So I think sometimes it can be quite easy to overlook things like that, you know. Um, we can't believe how well Operation Raccoon City has been received. We, I think we kind of maybe even understated it slightly. I mean, it's been the queues have been up to about an hour and a half, yeah. which, to be honest, we didn't. I don't think we really quite quite expected. I haven't queued for anything else apart from this. Yeah, um, and also people didn't really know what to expect. And everybody, like Matt, who's been manning the stand, 
he's been delighted about like people that weren't sure. Then they're like, oh, actually, I see where it's going. That's brilliant. That's that's a that's a good slant for it to go on. Okay. And lastly, um, obviously, going to like to game and other stores. Um, what would be the main selling point for you to get people to pre-order uh, Resident Evil Operation Raccoon City? I think probably for the fact that you know it's a completely different angle and it's a completely different slant that you know Resident Evil's never done this before. You know, you've never been able to play as Umbrella before, um, and it's those that appreciate Resident Evil and the diehard fans. You've got a new slant to go on now and a new kind of approach to take in playing Resident Evil, and there's no reason why. Why it shouldn't, shouldn't be a hit, really. And lastly, I just have to ask: um, any rumours in Resident Evil Six? Um, at the moment, from, from obviously there's that leak, that TGS uh, trailer. Uh, Capcom don't comment on speculation or rumour, but confirm that has nothing to do with Capcom. Um, and it's absolutely nothing to do with us. Okay. Well, thank you very much for your time and the best no of luck. such as yours. Let them go, Riddler. They're innocent. <laughs> you may as well just turn back now. <laughs> Do you admit that I am smarter than a bat? <laughs> you are all experiencing fear in anticipation of some specific pain or danger. This is perfectly understandable. Are you ready for some more? It was war! Find my challenges! And when you fail to solve them and lie bluffering like an ignorant child on the floor, you will know that the Riddler is better than you.